All right, y'all ready? Let's let's do this thing. A little hell freedom on tap. It's the uh, Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And second hour, let me just give you a sneak preview. Uh, Dr. Stephen Soloway uh, back on the show. Uh, medical politics. We'll talk about how to protect yourself from bad doctors, insurance companies, and big government. Dude, who doesn't need that? Uh, we're we're going to go there. Yes. And also the big announcement. It's official now. If you haven't seen the endorsement for Jonathan E. Mord from Dr. Congressman Ron Paul. We're going to reveal that momentarily as well. Gather around, tell your friends, come on over to robertscabell.com slash listen. The chat room is open. You can engage and we'll see you in Virginia at the end of the month. We'll tell you about some upcoming events as well. Thanks for being here. The Robert Scott Bell Show begins right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah, when freedom is on the line, where do you go? Who do you call? I'd call Jonathan E. Mord, and he's with us as, uh, as he does each and every week at this time for the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour with great big news. We've hinted at it. We've teased you, and it actually came through. We weren't joking. We weren't making it up. Congressman Dr. Ron Paul said, hey. Vote for Jonathan E. Mord. Uh, how cool is that, man? What, a, what an achievement that is. We've got an article up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com with the uh, verbiage. If you don't mind, I want to read it real quick. If you could scroll down there, Super Don, so I can see it. Uh, it is in the uh, show notes, is the link to it. He'll open it up. And it's, again, it's a whole nice article that we have to read, as well as uh, Barry Goldwater Jr. But uh, Ron Paul says, I am pleased to endorse Jonathan E. Mord for United States Senate in Virginia. I've known Jonathan for several years and my staff has worked with him on important health freedom legislation. Jonathan is a tireless advocate of individual liberty, the Constitution, and free enterprise. Exactly what we need more of in the United States Senate. I urge the people of the great state of Virginia to vote for Jonathan E. Ward to be their next U.S. Senator. Dude, man, I, it's just awesome. And not many people have ever gotten an endorsement from Ron Paul because, you know, he doesn't mess around with uh, if somebody's you know, on the edges of liberty, right? On the edges of the Constitution. Uh-uh. You're all in or you're not going to get that. Well, I've always loved Ron Paul. Uh, Ron Paul has been a consistent stalwart in defense of individual liberty, not wavering one iota, never compromising his principles, not one second. And that is the standard to which all members of Congress should rightfully repair Unfortunately, he was unique in that regard, just about. And as a result, we're in the mess we're in right now. But if everybody did what Ron Paul did as a member of Congress, we would not have the troubles that we have now. And so it's a real honor. I mean, a huge honor for me uh, to receive his endorsement. I, I was floored when I received his call and he told me an endorsement was coming. And uh, it's just such an honor because... You know, I, I aspire to the same objectives he does as far as individual liberty is concerned and ensuring that the Constitution is protected in its intended meaning against those who would radically transform our country, what Chuck Schumer calls transformational change. Uh, and this is uh, ruinous to us. We are a people of liberty. We need to always be a people of liberty if we honor the Constitution and its restrictions on government power and its protection of individual rights, 
we can ensure that. And so anyway, it was great for me to receive his endorsement. It's a, certainly a very, very powerful and beneficial endorsement. Uh, Ron Paul has uh, followers all over this country, long remember his campaigns for president and long appreciate that this is a man marked in history as one of the greatest defenders mm -hmm. of the world has ever known. How would you feel uh, being in the U.S. Senate and the lobbyists didn't even knock on your door? What would that tell you? That would that would be greatly appreciated because I don't like to have my door knocked upon by people who wish me to do evil things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think Rand Paul has that distinction presently. When I was uh, with him at the time of his uh, it was a celebration of his uh, swearing in ceremony. Mm -hmm. I, I uh, talked to him briefly, but I talked to his aide more and his aide said, look down the hallway, Jonathan, you'll see uh, the House, uh, the Senate Majority Leader um, at the time, I guess he's now the Senate Minority Leader. Um, and, uh, and you'll see uh, Mitch McConnell has a whole line of lobbyists even extending out the door uh, to come in and, and see him. And he said, uh, we think it's sort of a badge of honor that none of those lobbyists think it's appropriate to spend any time with Rand Paul. <laughs> That's a good sign, yes. I like that. Now, we've, we have a big story here, and we'll, we'll talk about the Virginia events. I want to really fire up y'all out there. Even if you're not in Virginia, if you're near Virginia, come out. We've got three uh, three big health freedom events the, the last three days of March coming up. And again, we'll get to those in, in a moment. But I want to talk about the, the budget issue in the House, uh, Speaker McCarthy. Now, you remember, they went through a lot of uh, uh, votes to get McCarthy in as speaker because there were some holdouts in the Republican party that said, no, 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 we're just not going to roll over and let him have it. We need some guarantees that he's going to stick to some of these principles that we find important now. And that includes uh, perhaps the budgetary process, recognizing that throughout the history of uh, the Congress, whether it was run by Democrats or Republicans, it seems like the debt continues to go up, spending out outpaces anything that you can imagine uh, numerically or mathematically that makes sense. And they're now saying, well, we're not going to pass what they call a clean spending bill. What, what is your sense of this? Will be, will this be more of the same? They'll cave eventually anyway in the bad press from the liberal or leftist media saying, oh, the Republicans are trying to starve grandma by closing the government if they don't pass the, the uh, debt limit extension. You see, this is a communications problem that the Republicans need to master. They need to explain to the American people just how dire the budget situation is. I mean, we have a $32 trillion national debt that's going to climb enormously. And uh, that is the ruin of our country. It's the reason why we have inflation. And people need to understand that the brakes have to be put on that. So having, a for the first time, a serious discussion about the budget. I mean, we haven't had a serious discussion about the budget since before Obama's administration. They've kicked the can down the road. They've not performed their role as members of Congress. They're supposed to engage in a serious debate about these issues. So let's put on the brakes, let's hold up the budget, and let's say, all right, now let's talk about being accountable to the American people for what we're spending and stop all this pandering nonsense and avoidance of the budget process. That's what needs to happen. Will McCarthy do it? I don't know. Uh, I, I hope so. But look, so many times they cave, right? They don't they don't have the courage and stamina and strength of conviction necessary 
to ensure that there is a serious debate on the budget. Maybe there will be now. I mean, the days of a balanced budget amendment uh, shouldn't be passed. We should be talking again about that. Something needs to be done to impose fiscal restraint mm-hmm. on what is a runaway spending spree. Yeah. I mean, these people like, like you know, my opponent, Tim Kaine in Virginia, he hasn't seen a trillion plus dollar spending bill that he has not signed or has supported, voted for. He's He is a person who believes in endless government. So as a result, he spends endlessly to support that endless government. We as a people reject that. We believe in individual freedom. We believe in free enterprise. We believe in liberty. Uh, The vast majority, overwhelming majority of us do. Well, if we're going to have that, we got to get serious about the budget. Rand Paul is serious about the budget. 32 trillion. Comprise the people serious about the budget. Yeah, the number 32 trillion is just astonishing. And I can remember when it was 1, 2, 10, 19. And it's like, here it is accelerating. There is an end to this. And, and Ron Paul used to talk about this. It's like an inability to maintain what we call empire. Now, I like when you relate to an empire of liberty as opposed to an empire of world domination trying to establish democracy, a form of government we're not even supposed to have under our constitution for everybody else. That's not, you know, playing the world's policeman is not something Ron Paul was ever in favor of either. But the ability to even have a foreign policy to protect interest, per se, is is lost with the policies. Now, let's talk currently of the Biden administration completely destroying the the value of the dollar so that other countries that used to use it are slowly or more rapidly abandoning it to inevitably leave all of that exportation of inflation, which has already been coming to our shores because of the the spending, and and make it to the point where we could see soup kitchen soup lines like the Great Depression. It's not a visual visual I like to talk about and see, but I don't see any other way if they keep going down the spending rat hole. People need to understand that every instance in world history where spending has approached levels that are comparable to what we have, we've exceeded every level of spending that has been known in the history of any country in the world. And what happens is you ultimately have to pay for that. And what happens is that you pay for it by inflation or by taxation or commonly both. And the effects are devastating to the individual. The individual is crushed under by a machine of inflation and taxation. We don't want to go there. We want to prosper as a people. We want a future for our children. And in order to do that and have that, we have got to stop this spending. We have got to reverse the amount of money they're pouring out of the federal government, which is responsible for eight plus percentage points of inflation. And that's conservative. That's based on the government's estimate of the CPI. But the fact of the matter is, that number is going to rise. And uh, also, we're going to see greater unemployment. And we've got a real problem in this country. We have a large workforce population of unemployed uh, people who are on welfare, who are able to work. We have over 6 million people in this country who are able to work but are on welfare, largely because they're getting paid more in welfare than what they would get paid in the market. And you can't, that combined with this ESG agenda, where you're going to restrict the availability of funds even more, 
high interest rates, plus inflation. You add all of that together, and mm -hmm. it really is disastrous. What, what about? You're already seeing people getting fired all over the place. It's happening now at, at the large big tech companies. They're firing people in large numbers, thousands. And we and, see banking and, failures happening. What about uh, Ron Paul's uh, proposal years ago? Remember this, the Free Competition and Currency Act? Uh, we talk about the need for competition in, in, in all economic inter interface, because if we rely on the monopoly of the Fed, we see where this is going. People are going to be left holding barrels full of Federal Reserve notes like the Weimar Republic if this keeps going. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ron was one of the first people to advocate a return to the gold standard after Nixon pulled the plug and took us off of it. We need a stable currency a basis. Gold is certainly one of the most uh, reliable means by which you can ensure the stability of a currency. And um, sure, there are, there are fluctuations, but the point is what we are about to see uh, is going to be truly remarkable in our history. It's most unfortunate many people who are on fixed incomes, many people who are just getting into the market for the first time, many people who have are on the lower echelons of the economic ladder and want to climb up, they're going to find both opportunity stunted and they're going to find survival very, very difficult. And this is unnecessary. I mean, we don't have to be in a state where we're suffering so. And, and the reason why we're suffering is because of this profligate spending. And I'm talking about ridiculous amounts of money on programs that have no impact on anyone. We're talking about huge handouts to political constituencies that are supporting this whole uh, woke agenda in the military and in education. And we're talking about gross spending for agencies that don't even, shouldn't even exist, mm -hmm. like the Federal Trade Commission and the uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission. And uh, you could even privatize the uh, Federal Communications Commission, making the airwaves private. I explain that in my book, Freedom Technology and the First Amendment. If you privatize things as you, as you can, and you build uh, the private sector, reduce taxation, uh, and, and also reduce regulation, the effect of that is to cause an economic boom. And that increases the availability of goods and services and by increasing the, the GDP pie, you end up with less inflation. When you add to that a, a movement to cut spending, which is essential, then you really reduce inflation. What does that do? That triggers more economic growth. As you keep lowering inflation, you keep adding to economic growth, which means more jobs, more opportunities, which means uh, increasing uh, um, returns on savings and investment which means that the retirees no longer are bludgeoned to death because of uh, 401ks that are plummeting, which means that the stock market roars again. All of this is possible. We saw this happen during the Trump years when the Trump administration dramatically cut taxes. Now, what we need to do is dramatically cut spending and taxes. Right. And well, if we did that, we would have the largest growth of our economy in the history of the world. Do we have a, a, a people? Uh, unbelievable economic yeah. power. Do we have a people that are spiritually uh, uh, grounded enough? And I know it's kind of strange to say that spiritually grounded, but I think you know what I mean to appreciate 
the need for what is right versus what is wrong, in addition to, of course, all the economic repercussions of not doing it. Because I wonder, like you look in Congress and the Senate and you say all the lobbyists throwing money at these people and they're willing to take it. It tells me there's a spiritual deficit of the men and women that are serving. And that's a big part of what we have to overcome. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, people are rejecting uh, one of the principal tenets of of uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic in America, which is that God gave us free agency. God gave us our rights and God gave us free agency. And if you don't accept that your freedom comes from God and that your rights uh, come from God, but instead believe to your soul, as many of these people do, hmm. That it's a big game that is structured by man and that man in government can take away rights and reconstruct your life to serve a quote unquote public interest that they define, which is now socialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously believe in human control over others. They believe in a state of slavery where the government is the slave owner and you are the servant. And this is antithetical not only to everything that we believe in. But it's antithetical to the historic nature of man. We are we are free. Why do we love freedom so much? Because we're invested from birth by God with this incredible desire to be free. I mean, children, one of the first things they do is try to test limits that parents put upon them because they're so wedded to this freedom that is inherent in them that they want to be free. They want to make their own decisions. They want to do that rather quickly. Uh, in their development. And the reason is that's our natural state. When you take away our state of nature, uh, that freedom that abides in us, and instead dictate to us what we are to do, we are miserable, we don't perform well, and the economy falters. Every communist country in the world has experienced this utter disaster of economic destruction that happens when you take away people's freedom and you deny them the fruits of their labor. People are best when they are free and when they're allowed to retain the fruits of the labors they in, they uh, perform. Mm-hmm. No one wants to invest vigorously in work uh, if you are getting no return from it. Uh, people are not suicidal. They don't want to uh, spend their lives in a state of uh, uh, work when, when they could uh, otherwise be at leisure. Yeah. But they realize that in a socialist state, you're, you're poor you are lazy and you are uh, incapable of, of changing your lot. There is no upward mobility. Your, your, your lot is fixed by government. Well, and then the deception is on that they can, you know, or these lobbyists can here, let me give you this money to replace that thing we call freedom. And you sell out because you've given up on the principle. And this, this comes back to the, you know, a lot of history that, you know, and you've written about with your, you know, the book on, uh, well, the history of progressivism to today and the authoritarians, but also a, a revival that needs to come back in integrity. And I think that when I when I look at my lifetime and, and you know, we're near the same age, uh, I look at the movement away from freedom in my lifetime and the movement to that element of, well, we can we can get there without actually working. You know, we can effortlessly just have freedom forever because we're America and we're American. It's, 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 a, it's an enormous lie and it's evil. I mean, Marxism is not just uh, ridiculous economically. It is evil. It's evil because of precisely what you're talking about. It's a form of manipulation where you induce people to depart from their freedom 
on false promises of prosperity and an absence of, of conflict. You lie to them in the first instance by telling them that they are in opposition to other people. That is to say that society is in a state of chaos when it's not. Now they're telling us society, they couldn't succeed in telling us that here in America, there's a bourgeoisie and there's a proletariat at, at each other's throats. That's never been our history. They've tried very hard to convince us otherwise, certainly through uh, radical labor movements in the past, but it hasn't worked here in America. So they went on to something else, which actually they got traction with, which is the idea that we're at each other's throats over race. Now that's a falsehood too. We're not at each other's throats over race. We had a very successful destruction of racism in the civil rights era. Martin Luther King Jr.'s message resonated, resonated well, not only with the black population in the United States, but with the white population and all people of color in the United States. And as a result, racism was largely extinguished in this country. Sure, there are pockets of racism, but they are viewed by the majority as enemies because these people are threatening uh, our foundational principles articulated in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal, all men meaning all mankind, and that we are created equal and we're endowed by our creator with unalienable rights. We all have rights, and it's not based on our pigment. And the superficiality of pigment became manifest to the minds of everyone in the 60s. Yet here we are again with Ibram Kendi and his anti-racism uh, dogma, which tells us, and the schools all across the country are following it, which tells us that in order to defeat a supposed uh, systemic racism, you have to use racism. In other words, uh, you have to engage in racist distinctions in order to defeat racism. Now, that is wholly illogical, of course, but it also is very harmful because when you indoctrinate children to be focused on race, and when you tell them that their fate is going to be determined by their color of skin, you destroy their hope and you do it based on a lie. You induce them to think that they should hate each other, that they should hate their country, that they should hate government, and that they should hate uh, the whole their parents and every other authority in, in a figure in their lives, uh, the police, everyone else, based on this idea that the whole world screwed up because it's all racist and it's going to go after you. Well, that that's very destructive. What that leads you to do is be a dependent. You become a dependent of a socialist revolution, of course. Yeah, well, and, and and you you feed anger that see that sees under the, and you you stimulate that into being. And there, there's no cooperation. There's no working together. There's no acknowledgement of a very clear alternative to this self destruction. Yeah, and that is to tell children the truth, which is to say. Regardless of what your skin color is, you can succeed in America. In fact, you can succeed greatly. And that each person has different talents. And that those talents mark them as people capable of enhancing the lives of others. And that if you simply serve others and do it with as much vigor as you can and as much intelligence as you can, then you will end up helping the world and the world will help you in response. And that's the beauty of the free market. And that's the beauty of our country, where we have a melting pot of all races and people, and where we have overcome slavery and the victimization of racism and Jim Crow era, and we have, we've come out of it 
a people of, of greatness, not a people that are dark and terrible and racist. We're a great people. And we have laws that destroy racism. And we have laws that enable people to ensure that there is no racism that holds them back. And the irony of all this is that under this whole anti-racism nonsense of Ibram Kendi, you end up with the same type of situation they have in Northern Virginia. We've got a school in Northern Virginia called Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. And that school was supposedly one of the best science and technology schools in the country. And they decided on their equity agenda as part of their equity, diversity, and inclusion uh, uh, communism, they decided that they would reduce the number of students who are high performing entering into the school. And they looked at the population and they based it again on race. They said, you know, why should, why should, first of all, why should we consider race at all? Just consider merit. But they said, no, we're going to look at who's getting in based on their race. Oh, 70% of the incoming students in Thomas Jefferson High School are Asians. That's because they happen to have scored the highest on their test scores. Were they, were they called like alternative white or something? There was a strange yeah, designation. Call them white adjacent. Adjacent. That was the word. White it's like, what? What? Outrageous discriminatory language. But anyway, yeah. so then what, what do they do? They said, okay, well, in order to ensure that non-Asian students are given a higher uh, uh, percentage of entry, we're going to reduce the number of qualified Asian students to enter this highly prestigious high school by 20%. So that those who are qualified and who are Asian will be excluded. Will be discriminated against. And they did that. Yeah. And so the court held it to be a violation of the Equal Protection Clause in the district court, in the federal district court, and it's now on appeal. But I'm hopeful that, you know, they'll win that appeal. But here's the thing. The school still has in place this discriminatory policy because the Court of Appeals enjoined the decision of the district court pending it. So they are they are in rank fashion discriminating against Asians right and left in that school. Then not only that, look how mean spirited this is. Racism is a mean spirited thing, so it's not unusual that it would have other mean spirited acts associated with it. The school administrators all throughout Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, and even Loudoun County, Virginia, did not give the merit scholars their certifications. The school would get the certifications from the Merit Scholarship Program. Mm. The kids took the test to determine their rank. They scored, the kids who scored extremely well in the top 5%, I think, would receive these merit notifications. And those notifications can then be put in their college applications and distinguish them based on merit, based on their achievements. Well, the whole school system in these two counties deprived kids of those certifications. So when they applied for school, they did not have them. Hmm. And they did this. Uh, now they're now they're saying, oh, we didn't we did it by accident. No way. No way that every school would do it. Year after year they've they've gotten these things. They know that they have to be timely given to the kids. They know that the kids are applying for early admissions to these colleges. It's a multiple they, they have to have them to get scholarships and financial support yeah. and recognition. They know that in years past, they would publish their names and they would have events where they would herald these kids as academic achievers. All that's gone. And they use this as part of their agenda. This is part of this absurd idea that if you bring down kids based on academic performance and level them, 
at just like communists do, level them at, at a mediocre level. And and you know what's you know it's insane. They just gave a grant of like four hundred ninety thousand uh, dollars to this um, group that's going to come into the Fairfax County schools on the for the purpose of eliminating grades, so that they can have they will as part of their equity agenda, so that they could level everything. Yeah, it's like well the, the participation it's trophies of our whole country, folks. Yeah. This really, I mean, if we don't stop this, so we're holding all these forums in Virginia with with these educators. Uh, trying to get people to understand that we've got to have meritocracy or else we have nothing. If we don't allow, I mean, do you want a surgeon uh, who ha- who would be in the bottom of his class? Uh, and well, wouldn't even get into school normally. It's a, a story I co- covered yesterday, Jonathan. Uh, they're lowering the standards to, for equity purposes to medical school. Look, it's a dangerous profession. I acknowledge that. Uh, it, you know, it's it's bad enough that they're already the third leading cause of death. Now you want people that couldn't normally get in to get in, whoever they are. I don't care what color, religion, race, whatever. It's not about that. Now, if we look at the equity applied into the banking system, we look at the failures of the banks right now that have engaged in, you know, we have to have a certain number of cross-dressing hermaphrodites or something. It's just getting so bizarre. Uh, Moody's has now cut the outlook for U.S. banking system to negative. Now. Right. I, look, I got problems with the banking system because it's based on fiat, f- uh, fractional reserve bank. I think this this violates just weights and measures, a biblical principle. But if people in freedom want to engage in it, fine. But it, when it's a monopoly system, not so fine. And now we're seeing the inevitable end to this monopoly system by their own incompetence as they continue to give away. All uh, of- this is another one where we have to salute Ron Paul because he has been predicting this for the last several years. He's pr- been predicting all the problems associated with the banking system. And my goodness, he's right on the money. I mean, we are now uh, facing a very serious situation. And I know they want to say it's isolated to SVB and that it's because of their imprudent uh, decisions to limit the, you know, their whole woke investment policy. Uh, but the reality is it's not limited to SVB. And the threats to our banking system are real. And the reality is that uh, every time in American history where we've looked to centralize control over the banking system, it has resulted in more calamitous adverse effects for individuals than had we relied upon a free market in banking and relied upon a gold standard or some other independent standard for the currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, it's just, it is predictable. It is happening. It's something that Ron Paul clearly predicted. Yeah. And I think um, it's a tragedy because we don't have to live like this. It's all part and parcel of this whole overall movement to gain greater control at your expense, to deprive you of your liberties and take control and dictate to you how you live your life. Now they're going to tell you in excruciating detail whether or not you can get a loan based on your political philosophy under this whole ESG situation where banks will deny you money if they think that you are uh, uh, not an environmentalist or if they, well, and, if you, and if you allow them to give you digital IDs, they go to central bank, digital currency, and then just basically yeah. beliefs that they are rumor you are rumored to have much less if there's a social media network yeah. linked to it. That's the end of banking. Basically that's the way you achieve communism through yeah. uh, regulation of the banking. System. Now you're China. Now you're communist China, by the yeah. way, good, good news. Uh, this is really good. The 10th amendment center is reporting on a number of state level bills, to restore gold and silver as legal tender. And we know a number of states that have done that and how that's creating 
kind of what Ron Paul was after at the federal level, the Free Competition and Currency Act, that the states are going, we're just going to nullify the feds on this. And we're going to create our own ability to have economic viability, whatever happens to the Federal Reserve and, and its notes. There's an Austrian economist named Todd Buchholz, who years and years ago, I think some 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, wrote bril a brilliant paper on private currency, on how you can have markets like this that they're creating in some of these states and how much better the, the, uh, the uh, environment is economically for people uh, and how much it expands their freedom of choice and their uh, ability to purchase things um, because you have a, a currency that is not tethered to uh, the federal reserve system. And that's, you know, that this is a dream that people have and that, you know, we've, we've been thinking about for many years, but private currency is really a, when you look at it, the history of it, it has been very advantageous and far more advantageous to people than living with a fed that basically controls whether or not you can have economic opportunity by controlling the money supply. Imagine, you know, all those years Ron Paul was in there questioning the Federal Reserve chairman and everybody else was looking around like, what is he talking about? How little do we know of economics in this country and how much do we know at all because of Ron Paul and even before him or at the same time, Larry McDonald at the time of Reagan? Paul created the Foundation for Economic Education. I think he did. I may be mistaken there, but I believe he did in Irvington on Hudson, New York. That has been there for so many years and has been a real source of defense of Austrian economics. And anyway, it's it's important for people to understand that free markets work and that this whole idea, you know, that's the next argument that is going to be made, that the banks are failing because the market's failing, because the market is incapable of generating. Free, free markets did not yeah. do this, y'all. Free and markets so, did not do this. They do, the, they do this every time. I mean, you have heavy federal government uh adverse effects into the market that then cause the market to collapse in certain sectors. And then they say that the market is evil and that we have to take it over completely. So it ends up being a prelude to total control, total takeover of market sectors. We have to be a mindful. It requires an intellectual uh, assessment. Yeah. People have to realize that, you know, it's not the free market that caused the free market to fail. It's government. That it's the abandonment it. of freedom and the embracing of regulation of the marketplace. Uh, we've got to fire you up if you're not fired up already about what can we do to salvage what's left and regain and restore that liberty that we believe in so much here. Uh, we have three big events, health freedom focused events in Virginia coming up the 29th, 30th and 31st of March, 2023. On the 29th, the Rally to Save America in Central Virginia, Lynchburg, Virginia. Is going to be a huge event, and I want to see you all there. If you know anybody in that area, you might want to get to that area and be with us. I just talked to my buddy Casey Krejci. He says he's coming up. So oh, great, great. We're going to have people from all over coming in, but we want to, the support from the people of Virginia, the Commonwealth. On the 30th, uh, which will be a Thursday of March 2023, we will be in Central Virginia, in the Richmond, Virginia area, just outside, but basically Richmond area. Another huge event, a lot of music and uh, patriotic music, and it's just going to be a phenomenal, exciting time to be together and uh, recognize as well that we have a champion for liberty and the Constitution in Jonathan E. Moore running for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. And then on the 31st, that's a Friday, final day of March, 
It's going to be at the Oak Barn at Loyalty in Northern Virginia, Leesburg. We'll wrap up our last three days of March in Virginia three-city tour. Please, 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 even if you're not in Virginia, if you know anybody in Virginia, send this to them. I've been sending it to all of my friends or anybody anywhere near there. And we've got to reach out and bring people out to those events. And uh, you'll see what is possible when we have men or women of character and that understand the history of how we got here to work our way out. And this doesn't preclude doing things at every level. For those of you who are running for office at the local level or supporting candidates elsewhere, having uh, someone like Jonathan Ebor in the Senate is going to be impactful. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be saying it if, again, I am, I have not been excited about a candidate since Ron Paul. <laughs> That's just honestly. And then when you said you were running, we talked about it. I'm like, are you sure you know what you're getting into? Does your wife know? Do your kids know? We went through all of that. And uh, we've been on the trail a little bit together. And I just see what the response is when they hear you speak, a resonance, an energy, a frequency that they don't pick up from what the, what they call the, the convenience, uh, uh, what do you call s- sunny day politicians, you know, pretending to be something that they're not. Everybody knows when they meet you what you are all about. And I'm just excited to be on this journey with you. Well, it's great fun. We had a wonderful time in Scottsdale those three events there. I mean, it's just uh, to see the response from people. I think we have a groundswell grassroots movement that we are helping spearhead that is going to lead to the restoration of our Republic. I really do. I'm overwhelmed by the positive responses and I'm hopeful that when we finish this whole campaign that we will have behind us, the full support of all freedom-loving people so that we can have the power necessary to save our government when I get into the Senate. And, you know, I got to tell you that this is an expensive thing Mm. and it is not just the support of people that determines the outcome. It's also sadly money. So one of the things that we're trying to do is to convey that message. It's not the easiest thing to convey that you need financial help in order to do it. Most of us are rugged individualists. So we look at it, you know, and say, hey, look, why are you asking for money? But the reality is that it cannot be done because they get so much money poured into the Democratic coffers. This is going to be the most expensive campaign in American history for the Senate of the United States in Virginia, this 2024 election cycle. So what we what we have to do is raise money wherever we can And whether you are able to give $5 or $10 or $20 or whatever, whatever you can give, please do give because it will make the difference. It's going to determine largely whether or not we, our message gets out because that money pays for the advertising and the television and all of that, that is going to be necessary. And all of the uh, events like we're having here, all of these events across Virginia, We planned 13 events across Virginia, all across the eastern seaboard, all across the southern part of the state. And now this part is all right up the middle of the state. These things are being advertised on radio. We're heavily promoting them because we are building this grassroots constituency. We can save our country. We can save liberty in America, but we really need your help. So when you're thinking about things, I know it's hard these days. But if you can do this, make an investment for your country, make an investment to save America and just put in whatever you can afford. It'll make a huge difference. So you go to emord4va.com 
and there's a donate link there, mm-hmm. and then you donate. For these events, you'll find the address of each event under uh, the events tab at emord4va.com. So go to that website. You'll learn more about the campaign. You can access the endorsements that we've received, and you can also make a donation. And I can't tell you how important it is to donate. So if you're able to do that, please do it. Jonathan, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the election integrity within Virginia? Because, you know, as we are out on the trail talking to people, they're like, I really want to donate, but I feel like they're not counting the votes right. And it's interesting because uh, Republican Governor Yunkin was able to win in Virginia, which is a purple state. It's blue and red. Uh, And and. You know, there's some some backstory and behind the scenes stories that you could you're free to reveal a little bit of this, how election integrity will be run in Virginia. So um, without question, Virginia, like other states, uh, has an issue, I believe, with an election integrity. And you have people who shouldn't be voting who are voting. And the solution to this problem uh, is to fix the system. And there's a state senator candidate for state Senate who's going to win in this election cycle. His name is Matt Strickland. And Matt and I are very good friends. And Matt will be introducing legislation I draft to repair the election system in Virginia so that we have full and fair elections, but that we ensure that only those who are legal citizens and who have a right to vote are voting. And it will do this through a process ultimately that will ensure the same kind of transparency that exists with the clear system at the airports. I mean, you can't board a plane. If you go through the clear system at the airport, it instantaneously identifies you, your residence, whether or not you are a citizen. And that becomes a validation for you to vote or to, in this in this case, you know, get on an airplane. But that system of biometric validation is an ultimate system of proof that you are who you say you are and that you are indeed eligible to vote. And also the absence of transparency now is a real killer. It's enabling the uh, fraudsters to get away with murder here. We, we have a system in this country of voting anonymously and that anonymity is hurting us right now. We need to have on the backside of this, no anonymity. You need to be associated with your vote so that It won't be revealed publicly, but it needs to be there so that we know you did, in fact, vote and that no one else is voting for you. And that um, in addition to that, you only voted once. So we need to have this system of validation. We need to have a system that audits the vote within 24 hours of the vote so that there's a complete validation and auditing. And that needs to be an independent audit. So it needs to be performed by independent auditors, not government agents, not agents of one party or another. The parties need to be able to oversee the audit. That is to say they have a right to see the auditing process, agents of the parties, so that they can raise objections if there's a problem with it. But full transparency is the solution, getting rid of anonymity in voting and ensuring, and by that I don't mean your vote would be made public. I do mean that your vote would be validated to the extent that it could prove that you voted and that you voted a certain way. Now, that's not to say it will be released to any party or any other source. It's just to say that it will be there for the auditing process to ensure the integrity of the elections. This is where we're at. Unfortunately, we can't use the honor code anymore 
because they're, they've shredded it. Yeah. They're actually engaged in fraud. The extent of the fraud will vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, of course, mm -hmm. but we now have to close these loopholes. We also have to close the loopholes on uh, ballot harvesting. There should be no ballot harvesting. There should be in-person voting as much as is humanly possible. Folks in the military or overseas, they cannot, but for, for the in purposes of ensuring the integrity of this system, we have to have in-person voting. No more allowing a person to simply say, oh, I left my ID at home and fill out a form at the voting booth that where that they could be an illegal alien and be able to vote. No more of that type nonsense where someone could duplicate a vote. No more ballot harvesting where they can fill out the ballots for people and no more general mass mail-in balloting because that is also rife with fraud and an invitation to fraud. So we will plan to fix the election system, uh, Matt Strickland and I, in Virginia before the 2024 election. Yeah. And we full and fair. So if you're questioning whether or not there's gonna be a good, fair election in Virginia, trust that the solutions are on the way and that there are people who are gonna implement them uh, and that they are, they are going to uh, have a major source of support. People in Virginia overwhelmingly favor ensuring the integrity of elections and realize that there are holes in the system that can be abused by people and they want to fix those holes. Everywhere I go, people talk to me about right. election integrity. Well, and, and another thing, even before that was established, uh, you know, Youngkin became governor, amazingly enough. And I think part and of you. With, even with whatever voting fraud right. occurred, right? I, I think my sense of it, and Jonathan, you're there, but my sense of it is, uh, a lot of the outrage of critical race theory, the things that, you know, were said uh, by those, you know, the Democrat controllers that said, you know, my gosh, we can't have children uh, being, uh, you know, parented by their parents, right? We can't have parents involved and have a say in their education. I mean, there are things that were outrageous, even for people of the Democratic Party. And I think even more so now on the health freedom ish, uh, front and issue, and there's nobody more suited to talk about health freedom than you as a candidate, I believe, anywhere in America right now. I'm finding several instances already of people telling me I'm a Democrat, but because of your position on health freedom and because I oppose mandatory vaccination mm -hmm. and you're the only candidate in, in Virginia and actually in the nation who is fully uh, behind the health freedom agenda, I'm voting for you. And other people have said That's that okay, yeah. parents have come up to me and say, hey, you know what? I, I am not a, I'm not a Republican, but uh, I have to ensure my children's safety and also that they are not victimized in school. And so I don't like this woke agenda in the school. I don't like Marxist indoctrination in the schools. I want my kids educated, not indoctrinated. And they also say they don't want this gender ideology, which is surprising. Now, that's not to say that every Democrat is going to vote Republican, but that is to say that a large number of Democrats in Virginia are fed up with a government that is abusing their kids in the schools mm -hmm. and that is also forcing them to be vaccinated or wear a mask and they're against that. They want freedom. They don't, many of these pa uh, parents mm -hmm. are just like us in that they don't want to be forced to vaccinate their kids. They understand the hazards associated with that and they want to have the freedom to choose. As an so, extension you know, of that. John. You know, and this is an issue that is hitting them in the face every single yeah. uh, time that they register for school with all their kids. 
and and it's also hitting them in the face every day. And a lot of these same people are fed up with the border situation. They're fed up with the amount of fentanyl coming into this state and every state yeah. as a result of no border protection whatsoever and what? the crime epidemic. So, I mean, the, 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 we're seeing a, a, a really a movement on the part of many Democrats and many people who just reflexively voted Democrat because their parents did to realize that the Democrat Party today is not the Democrat Party yesterday. Not the same. Uh, Jonathan, on the extension of the health freedom discussion points, uh, also in the U.S. Senate, what you would be able to do, and even running against Tim Kaine, he'll have to run from his record because he's been supporting all the mandates, all the prohibitions, all the WHO support, including Biden's attempts to circumvent the Senate and pretending he's not making a new treaty to give the WHO jurisdiction over all of America when they declare the next pandemic, scamdemic pandemic. And here we are still part of the WHO. What can you do in the U.S. Senate to counter countervene that? Well, uh, you know, the the treaty making clause requires the advice and consent of the Senate. And rather than wait for the president to enter into this agreement, uh, it's imminent, unfortunately. Uh, what what the what members of the Senate should do and what I would do is sue the president to enjoin him from entering into a treaty without advice and consent of the Senate. In addition to that. Uh, what we need to do is call him out directly and publicly and say, hey, look, this, we consider this accord to be a treaty. It fundamentally deviates from the way in which we have treated our people in the past, uh, respecting the states as having the primary jurisdiction over health and safety and leaving it to the doctor-patient relationship to decide how to treat disease. And that's the answer to how we should do it in the future. If you're going to fundamentally reorient the nature of the relationship and give an international body control and jurisdiction right down to the decision of what a doctor does, that movement in that direction, which is what's happening here, is unwelcome and it, it violates uh, what we want for our people. And so it's a fundamental change. We need advice and consent of the Senate. It is not an amendment to an existing agreement. It is de facto a new agreement and the Senate must be allowed to pass upon it. If the Senate is allowed to pass upon it, hopefully we'll have a Republican Senate, and that Republican Senate will kill it. In fact, we should get out of the WHO. It's been a horrible thing for yeah. us. The WHO is a, a stooge or tool of the CCP. The reason why we had such draconian uh, CDC recommendations on lockdowns and masking and forced vaccine is in large measure because they are following the script of the World Health Organization, which in itself is was laudatory and supportive of the CCP's method of handling it, which has been a disaster. All the lockdowns have failed. Not only have they failed, they failed miserably with much more uh, severe uh, infection and spread of it than in the Florida example, example. Yeah, that's another winning argument that Tim Kaine is going to have to run from as this election heats up. Are you for the WHO and giving them power and authority over America? Many people, as you said, disaffected Democrats that don't want to be forced to jab their children or mask or shut down schools, et cetera, are going to gravitate to that message finally that the WHO does not have their health in mind. And in fact, other entities, including private, semi-private entities like Bill Gates, who's uh, many people are no longer a fan of him if they ever were. Uh, uh, also contributing a, a lot of money and having a lot of influence and profiting from that relationship beyond even the CCP. 
Yeah. Uh, and you've got a situation really where all we need do is defend our own interests and our own rights in this country and allow people the freedom of speech and allow them to openly uh, debate uh, the best way to handle this. We need honesty and transparency in government. We need, this government has been the most opaque and corrupt that we've ever seen. The Biden administration is the most corrupt regime in American history. Not only is it the Hunter Biden scandal, which is horrendous, you've got a president of the United States receiving money from foreign powers into a bank account through an influence peddling scheme that his son and Jim Biden have uh, engaged in over the years. And we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. We're talking about Biden paying for his house mortgage out of the joint account that he had with Hunter from the funds that were coming from communist China mm -hmm. and from, uh, oligarchs in the Ukraine and from Russian oligarchs. Uh, that is undue influence. But more importantly, that is a violation of the Foreign Emoluments Clause of the Constitution. He did that while he was vice president. He apparently is still doing that. Apparently, there's still money coming into those accounts. Uh, and this is uh, corruption writ large. Where is the independent prosecutor? They immediately would assign one for Trump if he were in there. Where is the one for Biden? Where is the Justice Department investigation? Where are the charges being brought against Hunter Biden for the criminal activity with drugs and with uh, falsely signing a, uh, uh, a declaration to uh, under the, uh, you know, for his firearm registration? Oh, yeah. And, that's a false statement. That's prosecutable mm -hmm. under the False Statements Act. There's no debate as to whether he had a felony a conviction. He had one, but he lied on the form. Uh, why isn't he being prosecuted? Others are. Why, why is there t this two-tiered justice system? We have to clean house at the Justice Department. We have to clean house at the CIA and the FBI. Oh, There's yeah, those organizations. I don't know who, who, who in the right mind trusts them at this point. They are so compromised and they become tools of political power rather than, uh, you know, defending again the Constitution. Thomas Massey in the House of Representatives uh, is an article here about him by, by saying Biden is pushing gun controls that have already failed by executive order. Again, limiting the freedom of, of people who are uh, basically trying to defend their life, their liberty and their property from owning a defensive uh, capacity to do so, to level the playing field against criminals or otherwise, including government, the origin of the Second Amendment. Uh, and here you got Biden just by executive order trying to take the guns out of the people that uh, are not utilizing them in any crime. Yeah, he, he has no problem violating the Constitution. Joe Biden, if he doesn't like a restriction on his power under the Constitution, he just issues an executive order and breaks the law anyway. He doesn't see himself as a uh, person who's bound by the Constitution. It's outrageous. And so this is the latest example. He's going to violate your Second Amendment rights. Why? Because he just insists on it. And he doesn't go to Congress with it. He just issues an executive order. It would still be unconstitutional if he got a law passed by Congress. But if you're gonna do something as fundamental as taking people's rights away over their, their Second Amendment rights, you would think at least the person who's the president would have the dignity and grace and understanding of the Constitution and humility necessary to give it to the people's representatives to debate. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't even do that. And he's look arrogant, he's condescending, he is in, in, incapable of apparent intelligent thought Mm -hmm. And he insists on dogmatically pursuing this far left agenda for the outcomes without regard to constitutional strictures on his power. He is a very dangerous man. Joe Look Biden is an extremely dangerous president. 
and he is it has done more harm to the executive branch and to the the legislative branch by his abuses yeah just about any other president we've had but look and massey points out that the gun control that uh, biden wants already exists in california largely uh background checks universal red flag laws gun re- storage requirements and how's that working out is it actually reducing crime no of course not i mean and at the same time that they're going after the law-abiding people's right to defend themselves they are allowing those that are engaged in criminal activity to get off scot-free. So you got this anti-incarceration agenda from Soros-backed prosecutors operating all across the United States, over 76 Soros-backed prosecutors in positions today, maintaining an anti-incarceration agenda, which is an obstruction of justice, a law violation in and of itself. And they are doing this, over 75% of the population is covered by these prosecutors. So you've got this massive uptick in violent crime and uh, across the nation and no serious effort on the part of, of the uh, regimes to enforce the law. If you want to get crime down, you go after criminals. You arrest them, prosecute them, and throw them in jail. It, it, you don't take away the arms of people who are potential victims of criminals. You leave them armed, and you hope that they'll use the arms if they're threatened with their lives by criminals. Uh, you know, you, you can't have a ubiquitous police force without ending, ending our nation in a police state and having no freedom. You depend upon people to exercise self-defense with with their own arms in order to have a free state, in order to have freedom, and in order to ensure that criminals do not violate your most fundamental right, which is mm-hmm. self-defense. Exactly. The right against the invasion of your home and your life by somebody mm-hmm. who is unjustly, wrongfully entering the property to take it away or to kill you. And to take that right away, I don't care what your weapon is. If you're going to say that somebody who lives in an urban area where they've had crime running rampant, where people on the streets have AK-47s and are using automatic weapons attacking people, you have to give people the right to have automatic weapons. Now, we don't have that. They won't allow you to have an automatic weapon. But you, you should at least have an AR-15 you should at least be able to have a weapon that is equivalent to what's going to be posed against you. Well, and remember, even if he self, you got to have a right. It has to be a meaningful right of self-defense. The Supreme Court has gotten this right. Yeah. And to your point, even if he does an executive order and even if Congress were to restrict the right to keep and bear arms, the states and the people have an obligation to nullify under the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, and not participate and engage and support any federal well, I efforts. Want them to see how effective it's going to be in getting compliance with any uh, executive order that says that people can't have an AR-15, yeah, the most popular self-defense weapon in the United States. Try that. that. Go well, Jonathan Emord. We're out of time. Everybody, check it out. Ron Paul sure. endorses. Jonathan Emord, Barry Goldwater Jr. endorsed it. We've got the uh, the article at robertscottbell.com. Check it out, Jonathan. See you next week and see you in Virginia at the end of the month as well. You bet. Take care, Robert. Yeah, it's Jonathan Emord. And uh, remind you that the power to heal, even politically, is yours. Back after this. All right, scheduled this hour, Dr. Stephen Soloway is going to join us in a few minutes. 
Uh, although, uh, Super Don, you have to check. I went to DrSoloway.com, and I'm getting a 404 not found. Are they trying to ban him now that he's on the show today? I don't know. No, they're, they're, there's some stuff going on with the website. Okay. They're working on it. It was working earlier. Okay. But uh, well, his, uh, his, they're, they're, they're switching over, I think, like to a new website or something like that, and it's, it's in the process. Good. His book, Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government, the uh, the headline statement on that is, uh, you know, says a lot, and I think you should read it if you haven't already. I think you guys have something in common. I might, just have a hunch. Might have a little bit yeah. in common. That's true. Uh, we've been at this for a long time. <laughs> I wonder if he, he'd be in favor of a separation of medicine and state, huh? Maybe. Uh, we'll see he that just might. Here. He just might. We'll talk about that. Oh, speaking of that, uh, the documentary, Utah Safe and Effective, question mark, uh, is available free for, for viewing. Many of you have been watching it. We'll get some nice feedback. Uh, yesterday it was very cute. Uh, some lady from Canada called me a hot homeopath. <laughs> I, still just, I shared that with my wife and she's like, Oh, I missed that part of the show. I'm like, honey, that's where you have to pay attention. Get a little jealous. She gets, she gets the hot homeopath all the okay, time. Okay. So. Anyway, it was a lot of fun and a lot of funny in the midst of a lot of tragedy for people who have been injured by the jab, but a lot of interesting thoughts that come through that documentary. Some I've never seen in another documentary. And I'd love for you to watch that. Go to utahsafeandeffective.org. It's free. Share it. Let everybody see it. See what you think. And give us your feedback. Let us know. And if you want to support the Health Independence Alliance as well, uh, there's uh, opportunities to do so. Everybody volunteered and donated their time and money to make that thing happen. So thank you for that. Uh, I, I know there's a, a story here that we want to cover in the opening of this show, but I just have to mention this. I saw this video clip of uh, President Biden on Comedy Central. I don't know who the guy... He didn't no, look no. like he was interviewing. He looked like he was just staring at him with his eyes wide, couldn't believe what he was hearing. Even he was like astonished, like a deer in the headlights uh, scenario. Yes. And uh, Biden talks about this epiphany. I think they were talking about, uh, I don't know, the LGBTQ, gay rights or gay marriage or something. And he's saying the story of being dropped off at school in like in 1959 or 1960 with his dad in the car. He's a senior in high school. That's unusual. Most seniors are driving themselves to school, even in 1959 or 1960. I I have that clip. You do? If you want, it's about it's it's about two and a half minutes long. Oh. He's talking. I can't remember this guy's name. He's an actor. Yeah. I I, you know, um, I don't want to play it. Actually, I just you don't want to play no, it. Okay. I, you know, I yeah. I saw it this morning as well. I, I I just want to relate what I saw, and then you you bounce in since you saw it too. He, he says yeah. that he was getting dropped off. He looks across the street, sees two very well dressed <laughs> men. Kissing each other. Kissing each other. Yeah, one of them's name was Corn Pop. Right, I think, probably. And, oh, and no. Like, okay, all right, all right. This is 1959, This is not 2023, <laughs> all right? He's going back. This is an epiphany he has. And uh, he uh, looks yes. at these two guys, then looks at his dad, and he says, you know why this is happening? Because they love each other, his dad said. Oh, okay. It, Which, you know what? I don't even care. It's like, whatever. You know, it's... I just, no, it's not about that, whether you care or not. It's about... I know. Of 1959, I know. This is another senior moment, I think. But he's had uh, these because, senior moments for decades. He's made stuff up and and I'm like call him out on it. Are you kidding me? In 1960, two men well dressed <laughs> on the streets of a major city are not going to kiss in public for fear no, of being attacked. Well, it, it and here's the here's the other problem yeah. uh, with this thing. Apparently, uh Biden didn't endorse gay marriage until he was seeking like his second yeah, term as vice president. No, I mean, he, and voted against yeah. gay marriage up until then. So it's like, 
how could he have had an epiphany during his senior year oh. in high school and then vote against it? And yeah, uh, no, no, no. yeah, I don't know. Anybody growing up at that era would not have had that impression. The rarest of rare at that point. There was a lot of consciousness shifting in, in the decades ensuing, but to show you that the integrity that this man has not, if his brain is gone, maybe that's an argument, Super Don. But as opposed, we don't, yeah, we don't care about that per se in its context of today. It's like who cares, right? But the reality is he's lying or he's just not there. In either case, it's it's a disaster. And you know what? I've said this, and this is this risk a lot of people going, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. I'm against gay marriage too. <gasps> what? What? What are you saying? Well, I'm against heterosexual marriage too. What? You're married, Robert? <laughs> Hear me out. It's about a separation of marriage and state too. I did not ask for permission of the government to get married. My wife and I decided in the, in the presence of God to enter a holy matrimony between me and her as, a, as adults engaging in that. We did not ask permission of life. We did not invite the government vampire into our marriage to claim our children as wards of the state. Should they say, we don't like the way you're raising them. So my point in saying that is, yeah, it's a bit shocking to hear it, but it isn't because I'm opposed to adults engaging in contractual relationships. Adults. Did you hear me say adults and, and leave the kids alone? But the idea that we have to have government to sanction America. Now, the reason it's done is so that you can have tax advantages. And benefits and, benefits. and yeah, and all that so stuff. It, yeah. It's social engineering through the tax code. This is Plus, I think there's also, I think there's a degree of recognition. I think that they're going for with that as well. Sure, but you're right, say, look, see, we're, we're like everybody if you're else. you're looking for we the have, government you know, to give you a stamp of approval, then yeah, you, maybe you need to really right. rethink that. Dude, that's that's a that's a deprogramming that that um, most people you know are not even you know, know. they get hurt trying to do I it. I know, you know but this is what we risk here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, making you trip over your own uh, consciousness to maybe get somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that. What's our opening story? Is it about the uh, pandemics or not the real health threat? Is that the opening story for our? Yeah, yeah, that's what we had slated, but we we don't have we don't have to. Well, we, we just want to jump. I think our guest can certainly comment on that, and so much more. You think so? Okay. But also, right. we do have a question of the day a little later. A new listener asking about what I had said about uh, the HPV and cervical cancer, and what a garbage claim that, that it causes it. Much less these with which you can clear it if you're really concerned about it. We'll get into that as well a little later in the show. But uh, let's welcome. His website's not up right now, but we do have a link to his book. Uh, you can get it on Amazon and hopefully all major booksellers, Medical Politics, How to Protect Yourself from Bad go Doctors, Insurance Companies, and Big Government. It's Dr. Stephen Soloway. Welcome back, Dr. Stephen Soloway. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. And if I just may throw in, yeah, I prefer the people go to get the book at badmedicinebook.net. I'll sign it oh. for you and I'll even get paid. Oh, nice. All right. Let's do that. Bad medicine. I'm typing it in book. Dot net. Dot net. Okay. Dot net. Super. Yeah. Done. If you haven't had that ad, just add that or can replace the link. Cause I'd rather have them get it directly from there as well. Bad medicine book. Dot net. And uh, we got to sing that bon, was a bon, bon Jovi song. If we had the uh, copyright to it, um, <laughs> this book is like bad medicine, but this is the kind of bad medicine that needs to be covered in a book. So thank you for that, Dr. Soloway. We'll, we'll definitely send them there now. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you, Billy. Dude, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you and all that you've done over many, many years to see through this nonsense. And uh, I, yeah, that's the word. I, I, mean. I, 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 was, I was enjoying watching the two of you 
prior, you know, while I'm watching, oh, you, you guys are just great. And everything you say is spot on. And, you know, separation of government from everything is really what is necessary. And that's what got us to every problem we have today. Yeah. And I and I talk about a separation of medicine and state. I'm finally hearing people think Ooh, that could be an actual reasonable thing at this point. Because the disaster that we're seeing is not only that government is intruded. And my uncle, who's a, a medical doctor, he's no longer with us. And I looked up to him, my uncle Bob. And, uh, you know, I've said this many times. He told me not to become a doctor. I'm like, Uncle Bob, you're a doctor. This is what I want to do. I want to be a doctor. I want to help people. I want to heal people. I want to be healed. <laughs> you know. And he's like, no, you don't. Because the government is involving itself in such a way you won't recognize it by the time you're an adult. And he was right it, where it ended up. And I was grateful later when I figured that out, became a homeopathic doctor, not well, a malopathic one. I didn't know of homeopathy till I was 24. And that started me on a whole new journey. Uh, but the idea that now Biden or somebody else would say, hey, not only are we going to get the government involved, we're going to get global government involved. We're going to get non-governmental organizations like WHO involved to tell you what you have to do, inject you, drug you, all the things that are just now maybe people are finally waking up to this. Uh, it's hard to add to what you said. Um I am, as you know, an allopathic physician, but when I started in practice, people were still accepting fee-for-service and the government was not involved. Mm -hmm. And then things switched over to HMOs and the HMO became the gatekeeper and the government still wasn't involved. The only involvement the government had and the only place they should have been if they go anywhere was for the handicapped, disabled, and, and the elderly that are no longer working and didn't have enough to help themselves. And at that period of time, there were 100 million people on the Medicare Medicaid system, but there were 200 million people on private health care insurance. Now, that left 30 million people uninsured. So the government decided, you know, look, you know, this system is only working for 95% of the population. And by the way, the numbers I gave would indicate 90%, but I, I want to just carve out here that of the 100 million on the Medicare Medicaid, 15 million of them also had VA insurance. So if there's 15 million that have two government insurances, you just take one away from John and give it to Joe. So the 30 million uninsured would slide down to 15 million, which means the system would be working reasonably well for 95% of the population. And from, from the beginning of time until 15 years ago, everything worked fine, you know, within reason, because nothing is perfect and the government was involved about a, on a third of the cases, you know, a third of insurance. So um, along comes uh, the left and uh, you need a regulation. Never, you know, these people, they always say, we don't miss an opportunity to make new regulations or problems. All we need is a, all we need is a rainstorm or a snowball or, or the burn the butter or something wrong. And we, we're going to add a, a tax or, you know, an omnibus bill. And, you know, next thing you know, you'll have no money and all the banks will collapse and so on and so forth. Yeah. But um, so, this is what's really horrible. So here's a system that's genuinely, genuinely working for, by and large, 95% of people, if at minimum 90%. So rather than tweak the system, seriously, they came in and they completely destroyed it, mutilated it, gutted it, and decided that what's going on now is better. Well, it's better for them, but to, you know, to what George Carlin would say, you're not in the club. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so so here you have this system that's been completely overhauled and gutted, and it's it's led to a lot of things. And in no particular order, I'm going to tell you a lot of things that it's led to. It's led to people, first of all, losing their doctor. It's led to 
just about anyone over 50 who's financially stable to either retire or change careers or just get out of medicine completely. Um, it's led to the government funding hospitals to buy up practices so it becomes easier to audit. It's easier to audit less hospitals rather than a million doctors. You're going to audit a thousand hospitals. So if you know two million doctors are at a hospital system, we'll just audit that hospital system and that'll be that. They'll pay a fine. It's probably a set fee. And you know, you, it's, it's almost like a country club. Here's your predetermined fine because you have X amount of people in your system. You're making so much money from the government and 3% has to get paid back as a uh, tax or a fine or whatever. And the people that do nothing all the time, I call them interchangeables. You know, you can show up at the airport, the library or the post office and you do the same job. You look at the clock at three o'clock, you're ready to go home. Um, you know, you might be married to your sister or, you know, nothing seems to matter with these people. And, and sadly, they're controlling a lot because they can't be fired. And if you can't be fired, unless you, well, I was going to say, unless you murder somebody, yeah. I don't even know if that matters anymore. I mean, there's, there's, there's people. Well, getting, only if you don't get a, a mandatory jab or don't wear a mask or distance, then you can maybe be fired. Well, yeah, yeah. If you don't wear a mask, you'll probably be executed. The electric chair will literally be brought back if you don't wear a mask. That's the biggest joke in the world. So since you got the mask going, so the N95 by definition takes out 95% of particles that are um, 0.3 micro, sorry, 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 three microns in size. Guess what? COVID, that, um, the COVID viron mm -hmm. is 0 0.9 microns. So why don't you explain to me how a fishing, a, a net that will keep out particles that are size three, Yeah can't how can they keep out something that's 0.9 uh, yeah and you've heard this many times we've talked about it if you got a, a chain link fence and you think it's going to stop a mosquito that's the best equivalency i can say that it's is correct absolutely absurd so much of uh, what we've been through in the last three years over COVID has made it patently absurd for many physicians medically trained allopathic doctors that many of them are <clears throat> leaving leaving they're absolutely either disgusted or they're if they're not outright leaving the profession they're trying to get out of that centralized hospitalized system and going into some semblance of a private practice through uh these things called private membership associations concierge type things where people are engaging in real doctor patient relationships as opposed to having third parties intervening from every angle and everywhere and these doctors are also now waking up to realize the limitations of flexner report curricula that there's so much more to medicine than just a prescription pad and a toxic drug. Again, I agree with you, 100%. The doctor-patient relationship has been dissolved. The doctors that work for the system are on a salary. They have no motivation and they work nine to five. They're allowed to spend 14 or 13 or 15 minutes with the patient of which 80% of the time is on the computer mm -hmm. because it's not about what's wrong with you or what you have to say or what you want to ask. It's about what's documented in the computer. And if it's not documented correctly, you're not going to get paid, even if you've done everything correct. Worse, they're going to come after you and say you're engaged in some kind of conspiracy to defraud the government. No, that's unfortunately, you're, you're not wrong. I know many doctors, and of course, they're the busier doctors that the patients love. They're frequently investigated for Medicare fraud. And by the way, it's always Medicare fraud. It's not Blue Cross fraud or Aetna fraud. It's, you know, it's Medicare fraud. So a lot of the busier doctors, they're harassed so much by the government, so much by these professional left-wing kooks mm -hmm. that really it's – my daughter's a doctor, and if I would have known everything I know now, I don't think I would have advised her. You She's following – Like my uncle told me. 
Yeah. Don't do it. It's a, you know, it's miserable. Not that you don't go in for the right reasons, but you find out you can't do what you thought you could do. And that could be just, well, in my case, it would have just defeated me in terms of my desire to help people. And suddenly I realized all the things that doctors did, even meaning well to me in my first 19 years of life, before I gave up on allopathic medicine would destroy me. My spirit would be destroyed because I couldn't do that kind of harm to other people and feel good about myself. I would have to be on major medication just to sleep. So the uh, awareness of the limitations of one form of monopoly medicine is something I think we're engaged now, maybe on the verge of a renaissance. That means we bring all the healers together from various backgrounds and say, hey, what do you know? What do you know? Let's talk. And I've been doing that on a weekly basis over the last three years with uh, MDs, DOs, NDs, DCs, nurses, homeopaths, naturopaths, herbalists, and we're all getting along and we're all sharing what, what's working and we're all excited again about the healing that we can really bring to people. That is so different than the monopoly system under government that we have ex existed in for over a hundred years. If we would to, if we wanted to bring the system back to any semblance of normal, where every doctor got along with every other doctor and the patient care was paramount, doctors need to get away from insurances starting with the government. Yeah. And doctors need to be self-employed. They need to be innovative. They need to be allowed to think. They need to be allowed to think outside the box. Yes. Right now, you're basically ordered by whoever your owner or keeper is mm -hmm. not to think because you got that 15 minutes. So if you have 45 problems to go over in 15 minutes, the typical answer is, well, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. No. I mean, in my office, I don't want your copay every day. You're wasting my time and yours. I need to sit down with you if it takes two hours. I need to talk to you. I need to examine you. And for, the, and for what it's worth, at this moment, I'll tell you, I despise, absolutely despise telemedicine. How's a cardiologist going to listen to your heart on telemedicine? How's a rheumatologist going to drain the fluid out of your knee on telemedicine? How's the ear doctor going to look inside your ear on telemedicine? Um, you what, know, it, what does it tell you about the rise of telemedicine, the lack of uh, when someone actually goes to a doctor, the ability to engage the way you do? They're not getting it there, so why not no. go online, right? Well, you, know you see, yeah. so, so me being a free thinker and me trying to think the world can revert to how I kind of practice medicine, I try to have blinders on to how bad things are around me because the, the, the chaos in the system and the poor care is forcing more and more people to find me. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that over the last several years, I'm usually like, the third, sixth, ninth, twelfth, fifteenth doctor, and it takes five minutes to figure out what's wrong with people who sat in the waiting room three hours and waited for an appointment five years because they were procrastinating and they believed in, oh, you know, I'm going to the system and yeah. my system, you know, pick your Ivy League institution or whoever you pick. Oh, and by the way, every person's like this. My system's the best. My doctor's the best. You know, like Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan till I punch him in the face. Yeah, yeah well, you get punched every, in the nose. Everyone's doctor's great until you're messed up and your mm -hmm. care sucks. Yeah. Well, and and you know, the cookie cutter, if you will, corporate medicine. Yep. Not thinking, they're not critical thinking, they're not the ability to go outside the box. We you know, we've seen whether people perceive or believe in things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Uh, the docs that were using it were claiming extraordinary success rates. And rather than to say, hey, let's see what's really going on there. If there's success, we should everybody should know about it. They destroyed or tried to destroy these docs who dared to succeed outside of remdesivir and no treatment, then remdesivir, then event, and then you're dead. Um, you mentioned something interesting about destruction. 
um, many things are criminalized by the government. So medicine, and we alluded to this before when we mentioned Medicare fraud, Yeah, uh, medicine is criminalized now. If you don't follow the rules, you're a criminal. We are living with socialized medicine, and we're really bordering between a socialist and a communist country. And if you don't see it, it's because you can't read or you don't go outside or, or something, and you're stuck really with the Flintstones that are still on your TV set, and you think the world is still nirvana. Mm. But in the real world, we live under government totalitarian rule right now. And I don't even believe the Democrats and Republicans are any different because they all vote against the people. By and, and, yeah. and frankly, I don't even believe we have a president. We have somebody who is placed in office by the left. And, you know, it's easy to pull the strings of a puppet if the puppet is just like a, a bag of pillowcases or something. Yeah. So whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you know, there, there is no president. There's, there's a figurehead who gets the strings pulled. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, Hey, why don't you go out to that uh, train crash and the, all the pollution and the dead fish and all the dead blizzards and the people mm-hmm. that are going to die? What are you talking about? I never heard about that. I told you yesterday. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking to yourself. So moot point to tell this person anything, just sign here, sign here, sign here. Yeah, well, we know some people we can't reach. And uh, you as a physician, as a doctor, like I've experienced, there are some people that come to us and really are not interested in engaging in their own recovery. They're just looking for the magic pill. And at that point, you're wasting your time because you know more than that. You can do some things that will actually help them. And yet not everybody's ready for that. And I'd say, okay, you can go to that system and see how well it works. And maybe if you're still alive, come back when you're ready to do something about your health, your state of health or lack thereof. Now, I gather, Dr. Soloway, that you're not afraid to compete in a free market for medicine, that you feel like your skill set, your ability to help people is such that if they can find out about you in freedom, they're going to come to you because you're going to get results as opposed to worrying about a monopoly practice act that protects you from competition, right? And that's a big part of the monopoly medicine that we have. There's, there's no real free market for medicine. Amongst the, amongst the 50 rheumatologists in my I don't know, 100 square mile area. I'm by far, notably, the busiest one, the most prolific, blah, blah, blah. I'm also one of the only ones that's self-employed. And 20 years ago, you know, I had 50 doctors that would refer me like one patient every five days or five weeks. Now, almost 99% of the referrals come from patients telling their family and friends and so on and so forth. And with just that alone, if I wanted to work 24, seven, 365, I would not run out of patients if I lived to be 175. Right. Yeah. And, that, and see, this is the thing I, I want all doctors of all backgrounds to understand. If you're good at what you do, if you get success results, you don't need the government to protect a monopoly on treatment. They will find you and there will not be enough of you to meet the demand that is there. And people are going to come to you and go, please, doctor, teach me to do that for others. And and that's the difference. Now, we live in a state of poverty consciousness in medicine. They're afraid if we open up the floodgates for healers to heal that uh, no one will come to me. Well, that tells me that you suck if no one would come to you without a monopoly practice act. So we're looking at freedom and we're looking at cooperation and engagement. The spirit of healing and healers is not to uh, dominate and force and deceive. It's to engage and listen 
and respond to the needs that are unique to each and every one that comes. Now, there may be common factors, and I don't disagree. There are so many common factors associated with disease today because of the environment we all live in, the food that we're eating, all of that. But there are always unique aspects to each individual, maybe emotional or other issues that we would encounter and engage in if we didn't only have two to 15 minutes, right, in that system to try to rush and make sure that we dot every I across every T or whatever you do in the computer record so we don't get accused of being a criminal. I mean, it's a disaster for, I feel for do- doctors in that system. I really do. I want their freedom too. I want their, them to have their freedom back. For me to have my freedom and maintain what I do and be able to spend an hour or two with a patient, I have to pay two people to help me with the notes because the most important part of a medical note, honestly, mm-hmm. is the history and the plan. Everything else is, you know, nonsense. And <laughs> What the government does is they've made the most important part of the note, the billing code. So if you come to my office and you have a swollen knee and I drain your knee and I bill in the thing uh, or my helper puts in the thing, you know, uh, he drained your knee. So there's a procedure drainage. He looked at your fluid. Okay, whatever. Well, if I gave you a flu shot that day and we forgot to document it, if that note was audited, they would disallow the entire visit, even though there was a clerical error. Mm. You see? The mess. Yeah. So it's not about what we're doing as doctors. It's the doctors that are owned are forced to abide by certain rules and they get fired. I know of a doctor, very good friend of mine, for whatever reason, he's working for a system. It's whatever reason, I don't know why he's doing it, but he chose mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. He shared with me the contract that he had a sign. He's only allowed to refer to doctors within that system. He is not allowed for any reason to go outside the system unless there is no doctor of a particular specialty within their system. Mm-hmm. Blood work must be done at that system. X-rays and CAT scans and MRIs must be done at the system, et cetera, et cetera. Or, so choice or, has been taken away yeah. and the people don't see this. Or what if you're a physician who has come to the conclusion that the flu shot maybe 12% effective at best in any given year and say, you know what? I've found other ways to modulate your immune system. We might be able to do this instead. And you do that. Suddenly they're coming after your license. Yes. Yes. You know, if you do anything that is self-thinking right, wrong, or indifferent, you're not kind of given a tap on the shoulder and say, Hey, can I talk to you? I'd like to discuss, you know, your thoughts. Oh no, you're just a criminal. And that, that really sucks to be helping people, you know, for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, just to be feeling like you've been criminalized and demonized mm-hmm. because you help either too many people, too many people think you're good, they they like you, so maybe you're passing out narcotics. They like him, maybe he's a marijuana dispensary and, you know, it's illegal in your state. Or nobody's ever come to a good doctor and said to them, other than new doctors, mm-hmm. no one's ever said, can you tell me the secret to why you're so good or so busy or so this or so that, Mm. you know, well, in my case, it's because I failed out of third grade, you know, blah, 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 blah. You see, no one ever comes to you and asks for the backstory. There's always a backstory, right? That's, that's that's where the fake fake news comes from, right? Fake news comes because everyone's got an opinion, except they're supposed to report the news. If they don't report the news, they make up a story and the story is their opinion. And right. if you like this guy's opinion, you go to that channel. If you like that guy's opinion, but if you want real news, 
there's still a few outlets that just give the news, mm-hmm. but but they're again they're they're being pushed aside because the big networks have all the money and they're shoving the little guy out. Well, in in the entirety of history, if it's erased and rewritten, then we're doomed to repeat whatever it is the those that erased it and rewrote it want us to experience, and we're seeing a lot of that replay. Uh, even the history of medicine in America, which I didn't know, I was raised in a pharmaceutical allopathic medical family, and I, I never heard the word homeopathy until I was 24. And I, I didn't I didn't know about the entirety of the history of medicine in America it included herbalism and homeopathy and then in the early 20th century, naturopathy and, and then chiropractic. And all of these things were denigrated in my world, too, because that's where we were programmed. And then finding out, you know, as a product of, you know, in my in the late 70s, early 80s, young boy growing up, I had things that I would go to a doctor like you for. I had ten, I was diagnosed with tendinitis as a child. What the hell is a child doing with inflamed tendons that don't ever get uninflamed? They drained my knees. And I'm like, you know, I didn't know. We just dutifully went in. I was on steroidal drugs, non-steroidal drugs, on and on it went. Come to find out that my, you know, this is again years later, and this is not trained allopathically, right? Flexor report school. It was like, well, my liver was congested. The toxins were accumulated, metabolic waste, other things. I was, And it was inflaming areas of my body, including the skeletal system where there was stress. And I couldn't. Yeah, I was hospitalized. Look at this, Dr. Soloway. I was hospitalized for constipation as a child. How bad does it have to be if a child can't go that he's in the hospital? My dad worked for the CB Fleet Pharmaceutical Company, so at least we got free enema. Okay? So we stayed <laughs> a little bit on the bill. But, I mean, that's how bad it was. Nothing was addressing the true cause, going back to source and going, I wonder why the, the tendons are inflamed. Can we correct that as opposed to just treating that? And that's different. And so my journey, of course, was an awakening that allows me in my mid 50s. I still want to claim mid 50s uh, to do things I couldn't do in my 20s. Kicking butt in the gym and 20 somethings and 30 somethings are struggling to keep up with me because of my lifestyle change. And now I'm not on any drugs. <laughs> you know, I don't vaccinate my children and, and they're not on antibiotics. They've never had them. So there are ways to go and make modern medicine in the interventional stage the last resort rather than the first. Now, I don't know if that upsets you. Probably not. But <laughs> the idea is there are so many ways to go about health and healing. And all of them have validity. It's just, I wish there was a free market for all of it. We're not there yet. I was a patient in 2018. I spent six months in the hospital. I had pancreatic cancer. So I am a pancreatic cancer survivor. Mm. But what I almost did not survive were the medical errors because of incompetent, dysfunctional nursing and house staff. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody cared what my name was. People would come in every eight or 12 hours and ask me my name and why I'm there. Wow. And I finally blew up at these people. I literally had it out. I had administration come. What's wrong? What can we do for you? You know, you're a VIP, you're a doctor, you're the department chairman, you're a full professor, you're this, you're that. They almost killed me for real. I got Narcan about 12 hours after surgery. You know why? It's my fault. I admit it because I'm a competitive swimmer. My pulse is too slow. And because my pulse is too slow, the nurse didn't understand that it's always slow. It didn't drop to a slow rate, but that's my rate. And so when the bell went off, I got Narcan. I ended up flying out of bed onto the floor, had a psychiatric reaction where it was like a death experience with the light bulb at the end of the hall. I wrote about this in the book. 
And um, the other thing was there was the physical reaction. I developed a, a, a leak in one of the ducts from the surgery site because I literally flew on the floor 12 hours after surgery. Of course, I didn't have time to heal yet. And all the anesthesia, by the way, was reversed. So essentially, you're looking at a guy who's been, oh um, I've been, I was drawn and quartered, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, literally, right? So yeah. and there's not much more torture than you can get than that. Um, so literally six months in the hospital. Um, all because of errors, you know, the surgeon did a great job. I got to say, because I'm alive, he took yeah, out everything he had to do a lot. I, I wish my, my dear friend, Nick Gonzalez was still alive. You know, he's an MD out of New York and treated pancreatic cancer and success. I've, I know some of his patients that are 30 years out from pancreatic cancer and never had surgery or chemo or anything. And they're still alive. Uh, but I'm grateful that you are here still. And I'm sorry that you had me to too, me too. but wow. But you see one of the things to point out. The nurses were always on the computer. The nurses were never walking around asking the patients how they were, mm -hmm. never, how do you feel? You know, probably five minutes a day, like I guess in sort of like a prison way, for five minutes they'd come by and they'd drop off your tray with a cookie and stick you with a blood thinner and keep moving on. And yeah. you'd say, can I have, a, I need to ask you a question. I'm sorry, I, I have an emergency. And they'd go right back to the computer. I could yeah. watch them out the door. System is so um, inhumane. It, it absolutely, you're a number. You're not a human being in those circumstances. Unless you go to a privately employed person who does mm -hmm. what they want, refers to who they want, mm -hmm. orders what you need, etc. And by the way, when the insurance company denies everything, which is the new norm, uh, you you gotta be you gotta be cavalier like me, and you gotta write letters, and you gotta curse these people out. You gotta print their home phone number and address mm -hmm. in your book, like I did. And all of a sudden they wake up and they listen to you. You're not just garbage anymore. Now you're garbage who's causing them a problem. And they, they rather shut you up and appease you yeah. than get into a big battle with you. Because if 25,000 people have their favorite doctor not seeing them anymore, I think there's going to be a problem. Now, most doctors, they could die or retire. And the patients will generally say, ah, you know, what? I'll just get somebody else. I'll take the new guy that fills the spot. You know, this is not a cookie cutter thing. And for people who don't think otherwise. When you turn 50 or thereabouts, your engine light's going to come on and you're going to need medical care from somebody somewhere. You better pray that you have somebody who's thinking for themselves and not not poisoned by a system. And by the way, back to about being in your 50s and, and acting like you're feeling like you're 20 in the gym. Let me tell you something. So with swimming and biking, um, my son-in-law is a correction officer. So he's this big buff guy, but he can't beat me on Peloton. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, that says a lot right there. Resting heart rate at about 49 or 50. And I didn't have that in my 20s. So, um, you know, doing what is needed by the body. And it's, of course, something that most of us in America were never grown up and taught. And, and you know, with the curricula in medical school, they're not taught nutrition there either. So you really have to go outside of your training oh. to get what you need to know. Look what the curriculum is now. How to welcome and care for gender diverse patients. Gosh, wow. Just wow. Uh, and, and by the way, I learned something new. Yeah. I thought it was called LGBT. Yeah. Well, as of this article, which was, I don't know, two months ago, mm -hmm. it's LGBTQIA+. I don't know. Just throw the whole alphabet in there and just say it. I, I just at this point, ridiculous doesn't begin to describe what we're dealing with now. Uh, Dr. Soloway, by the way, I got your website up. It's working. For those of you who want to check them out, D-R-S-O-L-O-W-A-Y.com, Arthritis and Rheumatology Associates up there in New York somewhere. I'm in South Jersey. South Jersey now? Okay. We're, we're the armpit of New York. Right. Lovely. Although, although New yeah. York is so disgusting right now, they've yeah. taken over as two armpits. 
yeah, I know. It's like making Jersey look like a, a shining city on a hill. That's so, right. You got it. Um, it's it's horrible. You know, the last 30 years or actually the last five to 10 years and the last 15 mm -hmm. have just been deplor. The conditions in Manhattan are deplorable. Yeah. Nobody other than a Chinese tourist would want to go to New York right now. Yeah, no, I'm glad I'm out. I was <laughs> six years. We got out way back when, didn't know how bad it would become. But I'm glad you're doing okay, considering what you've been through, Dr. Soloway. You're doing good work. We have your website correctly as well for the books, badmedicinebook.net. And you'll see two uh, books that you can get there. And uh, I believe you said you'll sign them if you get oh, them. Oh, I, I want to sign them. I yeah. like putting little... Uh, little personalized jingles to the patients. I'm sorry, to the, to the people, the listeners, yeah. I really want to help, you know, I've been a patient advocate now for several years, really fighting for my patients, honestly, mm -hmm. because in my field of medicine, everything is complex. You know, the knee pain and the shoulder pain, they don't even think that I do that anymore, even though it's, I patented six needles and I perfected how to take care of uh, the locking or trigger finger mm -hmm. and the, the thumb where, you know, you can't grip anything like these things I've invented and perfected them. But I get stuck with people that have multi-organ failure, fever, night sweats, weight loss, yeah. uh, joint pain, rash, their skin's falling off, their scalp's falling off, they can't eat, they're pooping blood, they're vomiting blood, everything blood. So I get these people that take forever, forever to go through everything. And, you know, if you go with a patient like more than an hour, that's considered the highest, a level five visit. Mm -hmm. There's no code for two hours and there's no code for reviewing charts this thick that have come from the health system because they were in the hospital 14 days. Nobody knew what was wrong and they never called you to go there. They wanted to transfer them to a tertiary care center, even yeah. though we have tertiary care quality at least in my field, we have it here. And um, well, I, I feel like they're getting real care outside of that. We're seeing disease management at best, even if they oh. mean well, they're just stuck in a system that's a disaster, as my uncle predicted. And uh, Dr. Soloway, God bless you for doing the right thing and, and surviving some some tough challenges as well to be here for your folks, the patients and people that are coming to see you and need that help. It's my calling. I swear it's, it's yeah. gotta be, even if I didn't know it when I was 20, it is my calling. I can tell, I can tell. And I'm glad uh, you're doing well. And if any, anything I can do to help out here, you just let me know. I appreciate you very much. I got to come visit sometime. That would be great. Come on out West. We got lots of snow. Really? Oh yeah. Snow. Like, like, I don't know. It might last through the summer. You'll be skiing in June. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You guys have the greatest um, Riviera pairs, I think. Up in the know. Pacific Northwest? Could be. Yeah. I mean, Super Don's up there. Yeah. And in Oregon as well. He's gotten a lot of snow. But anyway, getting out of the, uh, Jersey once in a while, I think it's good for your health. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Dr. Stephen Soloway, God bless you, sir. Thank you for being on board. And, and those books look great. And I hope everybody avails themselves of that. And if they need your services, they now know how to reach you. Hey, God bless. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Great with people who have been at it for years, been through a lot and can see exactly what my uncle, the doctor, my uncle Bob, those medical doctor, saw and warned us about. Uh, the less you rely on insurance, the better off we'll all be as we see third-party interveners. Much like I said earlier in the show, third-party interveners in your marriage also can destroy a marriage. Honestly, what, what or, or steal from that marriage. If they say, we don't like the way you're raising your kid, we will take them too. So be careful with third parties in any contract. It's nicer when it's cleaner, you and the doctor or whoever it is you're uh, consulting with or you're 
um, someone's consulting with you for something. Anyway, for, in freedom, we can get through this, y'all. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. Sign up for the newsletter by texting my initials RSB to the number 22828. If you're not driving, get on your phone, text 22828 and my initials in the what you're sending. RSB. There it is. 22828. So, yeah, Dr. Stalloway, thank you for being on board today. I appreciate you. So uh, if, uh, we also got to reference some of the, the the things that can counteract inflammation in the body. One of the Chernobyl level antioxidants of antioxidants is the folium PX from my buddy Babri. And, uh, you know, his story, I've told you, we, we, I got to talk to some more docs about this, but it's pretty impressive what's happening. You get on the three-pronged approach of folium PX, F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X dot, dot com. Uh, they get the folium and then the folium immuno and folium relax. And this is the thing that got my mom at 89 back on the dance floor. And I am just grateful as can be. And I hope that you'll at least reach out, check it out, read about it, learn about it, and put it to the test, foliumpx.com. Uh, also, uh, we've got the uh, Nutritional Frontiers event coming up right after the Virginia events with Jonathan Emord. The first and second, I'll be a- there for us at uh, Clearwater, Florida. And you've got 15% off on a bunch of great formulas, including the, the Air Max and the Enter DMG, which I use to counteract the glyphosate coming in every day. And even as I'm an organic guy, I still utilize those lozenges every day and I have my kids on it now. They understand how important it is. And so you get an additional 15% off, the 15% off they already have. Use the code RSB15 when you go to uh, what would have got the nutritionalfrontiers.com as well as cbdnf.com. There it is. Thanks, Superdon. 15% off plus RSB15 at checkout gets you an additional 15% off. You can double dip, which is awesome. Also, keep checking out the class of the coursework at Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. Every month, new cycle, new classes starting. There's lectures on demand that can start at any point in time, including mine on Clinical Homeopathy 101 Plus. So if you're engaged in learning, you're engaged in being empowered to care for yourself so you don't have to rely on going into a dangerous system that that requires insurance because it's so unaffordable, take those steps to learn how to care for yourself. Uh, The book I wrote with Ty Bollinger is still available and has great information, Unlock the Power to Heal. And you can get that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online, bn.com. So with that, uh, I do have a question of the day I want to get to. If you don't mind, Super Don, uh, I don't know if that's geared up. I think... This is from Kerry. Kerry. Hi, RSB. So happy to have found your podcast. New daily listener here. Super Don, we get new listeners. It's not just the same old. We love all the same old, same old, but it's nice to have new listeners too. It Uh, is nice, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know where they're coming from, but Kerry, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I found your discussion on HPV, that's human papillomavirus, during the March 6th show with Aubrey Lee. Remember Aubrey, that young, bright star? We were in Arizona at the uh, eminent uh, hyperbarics and she's a big fan of the show and her family. She's the one that connected us with that health food store in, in, in uh, Minnesota. Have you reached out to them to see if we can get, I have one? not yet. I, what was it called? It was like beans and beans and brews. No, brews or beans, beans and, and bros. Hey, and if she's listening, she'll tell us again, but hopefully we yes. wrote it down and we'll follow up. But anyway, that was cool. Aubrey's amazing. And she's gone through a lot in her own young life to, to really be interested in learning how to take care of herself and help others. But she says uh, on that show, uh, she said it was very informative and wonder if you could provide a recipe for treatment regimen for HPV and cervical, cervical dysplasia. Uh, you know, this is where you have abnormal cells detected on the cervix and or, uh, the, you know, the vaginal canal anywhere in there. They talk about different uh, grades or stages in, in those tests. They'll uh, uh, pretty invasive, but 
there's legitimacy in determining is there a problem. Now, she says, you mentioned the use of bioactive silver hydrosol intravaginally for those a, a little more vulnerable on the upper end of the 50 years of age here. That's what Carrie says. And I would like to learn more as far as dosage, frequency, and duration. I'm under the care of a GYN and a, and a nutritional and holistic medicine practice where over the past few years or months, I should say, months, have made much progress in healing my gut microbiome. I would like to learn more about uh, bioactive silver hydrosol as an additional option. Thank you for this uh, for this platform, Carrie. Well, thank you for asking that question. Uh, and I do love the question. I do answer them, as you can hear right now. And from time to time, we'll even go into some things that are a little bit awkward for uh, guys discussing. But hey, we, we're human beings and we all have a body. Yes, we do indeed have different body parts if you're a man and a woman. It, it, it's different. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we have to even say that, Super Don. But uh, as we look at this issue of uh, dysplasia or abnormal cells or cell growth uh, within the vaginal uh, canal all the way up to the cervix, we ask the question, why is it happening? Now, the medical profession is targeting a virus in the case of HPV. We can also talk about imbalances within the uh, bacterial, uh, uh, the biome there, if you will, the microbiome of the vagina but also uh, might be fungal issues. Now, very often these things can manifest after antibiotic therapy. As you know, that the, the dysbiosis resulting because of the damage to the microbiome, indiscriminate as it is, the inflammation that's left over, you very likely, anybody that's had an antibiotic, particularly women, you'll know, oh my gosh, yeast overgrowth, back, uh, bacterial infection, but now leading to yeast overgrowth, a fungal infection. So we can utilize silver to neutralize that. We can utilize copper to neutralize that. By the way, the copper hydrosol is a unique and new addition to be able to address some of these things. Uh, in terms of uh, concern for human papillomavirus being a direct cause of what they say down the road could be cervical cancer, I dispute that based on the very uh, claim that they make relying upon PCR tests. Yeah, those famous PCR tests that you didn't know about till COVID that I knew about for decades before because I've been covering these things and learning about them. If you have to go to the extent of a PCR test to find something on the cervix and then you claim that something is the cause of something else, to say that's a stretch is an understatement. It means that you may have been exposed to what they call HPV perhaps decades ago, but isn't really there, just echoes or shadows of that to say that's the cause. It's absurd. Now, if you are concerned, and I've got parts of this audience, you know who you are, they're going, stop talking about viruses like they're real things. And then I got the other half going, well, they're real things, but I don't think they're the really the problem. And then there are others that go, well, they're a real problem. So I have to speak to everybody here and let you know that if you're concerned about such activity on the cervix, utilizing something like the bioactive form of silver and you deliver it to the what we call the point of foci, which is a fancy way of saying the area in need, getting it right to the area in need, and this isn't a liquid form. It's in a colloidal state, but the bioactive form is the ion state. The ions can go anywhere in a liquid state, in water, of course. Uh, usually, you have to utilize a certain delivery system. Ladies, I'll let you figure that out. Do I have to say? And you drive that water carrying the ions, the active silver, to the cervix. It will neutralize, as it does, these viral proteins via various mechanisms, including denaturing the outer protein capsid structure of any kind of virus penetrating that virus and binding the DNA or the RNA that it takes from you, if that's what your perception is. In other words, it stops it from replicating, meaning that if you're concerned that it's causing anything, it can no longer cause anything. 
Okay, I'm going to stay out of the argument of whether it is or isn't right now, just to say if you're concerned about it. Now, this also addresses bacterial and fungal issues. Any number of things over a longer period of time that creates chronic inflammation of the cells of self, vaginally or elsewhere, can create ultimately an aberration where you have chromosomal abnormalities and then abnormal cell growth that they'll call cancer, a diagnosis cancer. When they say dysplasia, these are abnormal growth cells or not healthy cells anymore. Now, this could also be due to a lack of selenium in the diet, which has been wiped out of the soils and refined out of so many things. A lack of other minerals like chromium, like uh, silicon. Silica is a connective tissue mineral along with copper. All of these things can make you more vulnerable to this abnormal growth that can be easily corrected. Now, in terms of the use, an ounce or two, whatever you can retain, elevate the pelvis, get that liquid to stay in for a little while. Maybe if you can hold it 20 minutes or so, I know it's not going to be hundred percent held. Do that once or twice a day in about a week. If you had a yeast issue, it's done. It, a yeast issue can be done in like 24 hours, two or three of these infusions. If you're dealing with something uh, like you think or perceive HPV a couple of times a day over the course of about two weeks, there's no way a virus, if that's your concern, can have any viability after that time. Just not happening. And then, of course, supplement your diet. Go organic. Go clean. Don't use any of these toxic chemical dioxin-containing female-specific products either because that can create abnormal tissue development, cancerous growth, inflammation. And so there you go. That's the simplest explanation I can give, Carrie, to get you started in addition to all the good work you're doing with your holistic GYN. If you have further questions on that, please reach out. And again, I didn't even get to go into homeopathic options as well. We're out of time. Show's over. Well, it's not if you want to hang out on UK Health Radio. Sorry, we got to go. But if you're elsewhere, you can join us live or later on the podcast at robertscottbell.com for the bonus round. Are you ready, Super Don, for the bonus round? Here's what I want to do when we come back. Yeah. I've always wanted to do this. What? Always what? wanted to do this. Never what? done this before, even when I was working in radio. What is it? We're going to give Ryan Brown, uh -huh. we're going to attempt to, okay. a phone call okay. at Brown's Beans and Greens oh. and see if we can catch him. Oh, that'd be uh, awesome. working at the store. Now he's the one. If you guys were watching the uh, the show that you did over at uh, uh, what was it called, Ella? Eminent. Eminent Health. Yes, yeah, Aubrey, we had Aubrey Lee on the show. Scott Taylor. She found out about us in this this Browns Beans and Greens, this little organic store. Yeah. In this little town, and she right. heard him. Apparently, he yeah, the owner's Ryan Brown was a fan. I know we're yeah. running a little bit late. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and she heard about our show because he was playing it there in the store. And that's mm -hmm. what inspired her to get into doing what she was doing and stuff. And she's been a fan all that time. So we're going to try this for the first time. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to give him, give the store a call, see if we can catch Ryan Brown there all and right. get him on, get him and on the air for that. You don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss right. that. All right, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks to Jonathan E. Mord. Thanks to Dr. Soloway. Thanks to all of y'all. Please share the show. Join us on the AMA coming back on the 25th of March. If you're a patron supporter, we'd appreciate that as well. And in the meantime, back in about 60 seconds or less because the power to heal is yours. happening. We'll see what Super Don finds. I, you do this live on the air because they got to know that they're being on the air. They got to be okay. Well, with yeah, it. you just you ask them when they get on the air. Say, is it okay if we get you on the air? Okay. Well, and then you it's want me fine. to chat for a little bit while you do that? Or no, what? I think we should just, we should just,
just it's a bonus round. You By the way, DJ Katie, yes, I figured the same old, same old listeners are here too. We love you. It's just been a little bit quiet in the chat room today. That's all. Uh, I love you to make a little bit of noise once in a while. That's all. And thank you for doing that. I'll tell you uh, what, I understand what you're saying now. So yeah, I'll maybe I'll, uh, mm-hmm. I'll go on the back channel here. Okay. And do this. So can you find something to say for the next few minutes? I don't know. Never. Of course I can. I think okay. I can. I think I can. Right. I see Michael Bolden, our buddy. Bonus round is the best. Wait, now Bolden, did you change your name to Voltron? Did you go in and then out of the chat room and come back in as a different person? I, I just don't want to assume Bolden becomes Voltron. His superhero status is complete. Uh, it's like saying Shazam in his own way. Uh, Voltron, or maybe it's nullify. Boom, and then the lightning strikes and he becomes a superhero. Voltron. I think that would be good. We could do a parody on that one. Uh, for sure. Shout out to Leslie and I uh, hope all is well there. And I hope you're baking lots of pies to get ready for July and our upcoming event there uh, at the family union in South. Is it Southwest Missouri or Southeast? Missouri? I think South. I'll just say South Missouri until I get there and then I'll know for sure. And also I see who else is joining us. Lori Harvey, Lori, awesome new intro graphics. You know what? You know, graphics, Lori. So when you say that, I'm going to take it seriously. Uh, thank you for that. Once again, our uh, AMA coming up on the 25th. It's a Saturday this time, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and that, uh, if you haven't considered being a, I'm a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show, please consider it. It's, oh man, it's also helpful when these things, unexpected things happen, uh, breakdowns of equipment, things that we can, you know, do or, or upgrades to things and uh, access to services that allow us to reach you more. Uh, we've just engaged in uh, uh, doing a different kind of streaming that uh, may end up with us on your television sets too. And we'll let you know about that as that becomes more clear. Uh, so there's stuff happening behind the scenes that you guys help us to do that. We don't always let you know about until it's for sure. As we uh, work to improve also our way to outreach to you. All right. Mr. Don, what's going on here in the first round? Well, I, uh, I, I, I gave a call out to uh, Sands, I believe it's Sandstone, uh, Minnesota. Okay. And on the air with us right now is the owner yes. of Brown's Beans and Greens. Ryan Brown. Ryan, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Ryan, is, I, that, is that really Ryan? The guy, he's famous. We've been hearing about you. I'm not sure how that is. <laughs> well, Robert, go ahead. Go ahead and tell him the story. Well, our dear friend and supporter, Aubrey, who was, used to be up from there, her family's there. She moved to Arizona and she studies nutrition and she does great work and she's been a big fan of the show. She said she learned about the show from you and your store and her family became big fans of the Robert yeah. show. So it's due to Aubrey. Yeah. Let's us know about you. And we're like, well, we got to talk to you. Oh, well, thanks for calling. Dude, what kind of crazy store plays the Robert Scott Bell show over the loudspeaker in this? I mean, you still have customers? A few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a few. Well, what did you ever have a complaint? It's like, what's that guy yelling and screaming in the, in the airwaves there in the store? I have had some questions. <laughs> uh, so far, nobody's complained, though. All right. Well, so now, do you still do you still play the, the, the show there at the store? From time to time. And how long have you been listening to the show? Boy. Oh, six or seven years, I suppose. Wow. Yeah, that goes way back. Do you remember how you found out about us? No, I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's all right. You know, I've been in the natural health business for a while, so 
people like you, uh, you know, your names come up. Gotcha. Well, dude, we appreciate you and all that you're doing on that localist of local level. You're what I consider a hometown healer, bringing the power to heal back where it belongs for the for a community that uh, just like anywhere in the Midwest, of course, we've often called it Monsanto land that needs a lot of help. Yeah, well, we're all doing what we can, really. So, Ryan, uh, you have a website? I do. It's called brownsnaturalhealth.com. Okay, and can people order things there on the website uh, if they don't happen to live sure there? Sure can. Okay. Yep, so, brownsnaturalhealth.com. Yep. Okay. So, when you play this episode in your store later, you want to give a shout out to anybody in your uh, in your town? Oh, just just my customers. You know, we really appreciate their business and their support over the years. How did you do? If I can ask Ryan, uh, through the two and a half or three crazy years of COVID, uh, did they make everybody? Did you make everybody mask up, or were you one of the freedom people that said you can do it or not do it? It's up to you. I did not mask. I didn't have my employees mask. I didn't require customers to mask. Um, it didn't necessarily help my business. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, which is a little surprising. You'd think people in the natural health world interested in it would consider things a little more, but um, no, we didn't, we didn't enforce any of that. Well, God bless you for standing strong on that. Did you get any uh, blowback from local municipalities or anything? No. Um, you know, a couple of reviews from people suggesting we should be masking, but mm-hmm. other than you, that, no. You didn't bow to the pressure. Well, that, it tells me everything I need to know. You wouldn't be playing this show ever if you had masked up, likely. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right. You got integrity. You didn't abandon your helpful principles. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't do that. I'm afraid. No, you, right. because you're not afraid. No, I'm certainly not afraid of uh, a respiratory disease anyway. Yeah. When you're working in a store with the stuff that you carry, you shouldn't be. Which, by the way, I I, yeah, I, I was no. I was looking on the website and they carry like the stuff from Choose to Be Healthy and the Chris Barr recommended stuff and the whole deal there. See, yeah. there you go. And the, well, you know, go ahead. Some of that information came from you guys, um, and I I talked to Chris Barr a couple of times, got some stuff from him directly. Mm-hmm. Great. Nice. Well, not well listen, time. Ryan, we, we really appreciate you and your, your listenership and your support and just want you to know that you are having an impact on the, the customers that are coming in because we found out about you mm-hmm. through Aubrey Lee and we thought it would just be really cool just to get you on the air and say, hey. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Well, shout out to all the people of the town there. And we we are grateful that you're there and, and that, that, that you've picked up on some of the, the great wisdom for products that are really helpful to people as well not every store does that so god bless you sir thank you ryan appreciate you what yeah. you're doing. well thank you thank all right you, you take care good healing word thanks all right bye-bye have a good day thanks bye. take care all right that was that was pretty wild that was the first time we've ever done that that's true that was cool that, that turned out perfect i was i was like oh, i wonder if he's working there if he just has employees or whatever
Now what we should do is find a store we don't like and prank call them. I know. Let's call GNC. <laughs> GNC. Uh, <laughs> the drug store of the health food industry, right? Oh, that's funny. Dude, that was kind of cool. Yeah. What, what you know? And that, that you saw that they carried a lot of things we talk about. That's a great sign that it reaches out to those areas. You yep. we, we would never know. Uh, how cool is that? That's right. Yeah. So anyway. And thank you to people like uh, like our patron supporters and, and our listeners and Jonathan E. Mord for making it possible for us to even do something like that that we just mm -hmm. did. Right. Yeah. Oh man, I know. I just just think of all the things we're we're still working on behind the scenes to do, and all the little bit that, that you guys can help us with. It really makes a difference to keep us not only on the air but outreaching to new people all the time, so that they are empowered with the health information that you have, and you can put it to the test, put it to practice, and then share it with others. And it's fun. It's fun to see people get well. The light come on in their eyes to go. Oh, you mean I can do that? I had a, a call um, today. Uh, from, through a friend that I met at Next Steps, one of the doctors of chiropractic that spoke on the uh, Next Step stage with me on natural healing. And uh, it was a woman who has a son who's like 15 years of age, who's you know on the autistic spectrum. And you know they're under a lot of care, but under a lot of pressure at 15, you see these autistic children getting larger and more adult-like. And even if they're not 100% uh, dependent, there's still elements of dependency and a lot of uh, uh, emotional anger and outbursts. And a lot of times they try to treat them with psychiatric drugs. And she was at her wit's end going, I don't want to do that. What can we do? What can I do? And so we talked a little bit off the air about some options for her and uh, connecting her with people if she needs help to uh, reach out further. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing when you meet people and, you, you know, you can detect the sincerity in them, the people that care about caring and helping for people you just want to do more, even though you can't do everything. But I love being able to give people such simple options that they feel like, oh, I'd never thought I could do that. I can do that. Yeah, you can do that. And you don't have to pay $15,000 for somebody to give you various medicines that may or may not work. Yeah, that's right. You have options. And many people don't know they have the options. So I'm just grateful that, you know, I know some options, but that uh, I have an ability to communicate with you guys about these things, either on the air or off the air occasionally. And those of you who know, we get to talk a little bit more uh, candidly about certain things on our monthly Zoom meetings called AMAs, Ask Me Anything. And uh, not only do you ask me and Super D, but we get to ask you stuff and you guys are sharing and helping each other. So uh, join us on the next Zoom meeting, uh, the 25th of March. Uh, 2023. That's a Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So anything else going on in the chat room today? I, I, I almost feel like I don't want to go off the air because tomorrow's St. Patty's Day and you're going to be traveling it, to visit your son. It is. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I actually have a bunch of stuff I got to do in prep. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to bug out of here. We can't, we can't stay on for another hour. Sorry. When are you, when are you leaving? Tomorrow morning. Okay. Well, then you got time. You can hang out till then. Till tomorrow morning? Yeah, no problem, right? You don't have to pack or do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got to plan sure. out best of Encore tomorrow. and I do. I've got to, I'm going to, yeah, because I've got to automate it for tomorrow. So I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. And okay. then uh, I don't know what we're going to do on Sunday. Yeah, I might just decide to record with somebody or something. Okay. Do you have, you have your laptop with you or anything? I'm going to, actually, I'm going to take one of my, my actual, my desktops with me. Okay. Because the laptop I have sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take the, the smaller profile uh, desktop that I got recently, and uh, I'll have that with me to work. Very cool. Work on stuff. That's awesome. 
Yeah. I see a message from DJ Katie. Choose to be healthy.com has reasonable prices that are better than some of these healthy stores in Florida in the beach communities. Well, that's true. And we love to support Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com. Remember the RSB five code to get a discount from him. And uh, they carry the Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. They carry the whole food supplements that we utilize here and uh, love that you're supporting choose to be healthy.com, a small family business, as opposed to sometimes these conglomerates or the Amazons of the world that you don't know if you're going to actually get the stuff. So if you can, please do support them. Uh, Diana loves the on the fly call. Uh, she's out enjoying the sunshine after the storm. Boltron absolutely loved the guy that we made that call. You made that call, Super D. That was a brilliant stroke to do that. We never had. I want to start doing some different stuff on this yeah. show. All right. Um, I just, uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I have to put that hat on every once in a while. Yeah. Um, mix things up a little bit. So okay. I thought, you know, why not? Let's just see what happens. You know, the thing is with calls like that that are totally un, un, uh, uh, you know, underprepared, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. So no, you know. that's what makes it kind of fun is when it's on the fly like that. that uh, he sounded like he was actually quite busy running his store too. It wasn't like he was like, I could tell he's looking at customers. Well, sure you know, I was talking, I, I, you know, I called him while you were talking and he's yeah. like, you know, hello. <laughs> like, Oh, hi, is this Ryan? Yes. Well, this is Don Ehler with the Robert Scott Bell show. And he was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was definitely an unexpected call. That's for Wasn't sure. Wasn't expecting that. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that was funny, but anyway. good, good stuff. Also uh, upcoming just uh, briefly before we wrap up here, uh, April uh, 21st and 22nd, be healthy, Utah.com, the mountain America expo center. If you want a trip to the mountains, you might be able to ski in April this year. It's crazy how much snow there is up there, but regardless, it'll be a nice time in springtime to hang out and I'll be broadcasting. I'll be lecturing there and we'll meet a lot of great people and friends we make at these events. Then right after that, we're heading down uh, end of April. Uh, it's the 28th through the 30th to Nashville, Tennessee to be with the doctors, Terry and Stu Warner and many of our friends, including Judy Mikovits and uh, Christina Parks and um, uh, Christina Rahm, Dr. Ed Group and others and uh, the Functional Medicine Summit and Expo and also the Nurse Freedom Network. Kimberly Overton would be there. Nurse Michelle will be there. It's going to be an amazing event. Look forward to seeing everybody in Nashville that can make it for that event. The Goodies Farms Homestead is Southwest Missouri. Thank you. Uh, And that's going to be July 14th through 16th. The Las Vegas Biomed Expo will be September 14th through 17th, 2023. That's in Las Vegas. That's why I said Las Vegas Biomed Expo. So check that out if you want to be an exhibitor. There's still time to sign up for that event as well. Love to see you in Vegas at that point in time. And there'll be more that will add to the upcoming events tab, including online events for free that there are already there. You just click on them and uh, learn a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Our sponsors are all listed on the right-hand side of the page on your computer, very many banners, so you know what to get. And Superdon has added a special tab up top where it says more, and it'll say advers- advertiser discount code. So if you're not sure what that, the deal is, like with uh, Energy Bits, RSB20, you'll see it there. The code for Folium. PX, the code for copper hydrosol, silver hydrosol, the code for cardio miracle, which is just RSB, all of these things, nutritional frontiers. If you ever forget, it's there and uh, take advantage of the discounts that, that we are being able to offer you for those that support the message. We've got some new ones coming up too. We do, do we? We do. We got some new stuff that we're going to, you know, because we, we try very hard to vet uh, yes. everything, you know, before we even talk about it on the air. And so there's some some cool stuff coming up here soon that we'll be able to introduce you to yes so 
look forward to uh, revealing that in the, uh, in the near term, hopefully. That'll be amazing. All right, any other last-minute questions uh, before Super Don has to go and pack and head out to see his son on St. Paddy's Day weekend? No? Going once? Going Happening twice. now. Officials responding to train derailment in Glendale, Kentucky. Another one? You know what? Here's an interesting little tidbit, and then we'll go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know, because I, you know me, I'm always asking questions. I just, I don't like to assume anything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, as we're watching all these these train derailments and stuff going on, and I was like, you know, I wonder, train, you know, how often do you have a train derailment? Yeah. You know, because it seems like now every time a train derails, it's in the news and you get alerts, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, another train derailed and, mm. and all that stuff. And it turns out that it actually happens more often than you, than I realized. Yeah. Uh, the, it turns out that they're, in last year, 2022, there were 818 derailments oh, man. In, in 2022 with 447 train cars carrying hazardous materials either damaged or derailed. So if you do the math, that's over two every day. So it's an interesting context there. What does it say about the most advanced country on the planet that you have two derailments on on, on <laughs> technology that has existed well, since what the 18th century? Let's. I'll or even do a little bit more. I actually, I'm not doing the math. I'm reading the, yeah. the math that somebody already did. But check this out. Yeah. Uh, two derailments per every. Let's see. How would this be per every one m miles traveled? Would that be one million? Yeah, maybe. I guess. Two, I mean, two derailments per every one M miles. But if it's two derailments per day, it's still, you've got well, one job is to keep the trains on the track. Yeah. The tracks have been yeah. around. If the tracks are bad, yeah, fix the tracks. But what is going on that you still have two a day? That's Who knew? 818 yeah. in a year. That's a lot of derailments. So yeah. I just thought it's an important little detail because it seems like if you, if you just figured there's never any derailments and then suddenly there's derailment here, derailment there. If you put it into con- the right context, right perspective, there's yeah. a lot of them. We just had never heard about them before. Yeah. Now, cool. now that now they talk about them every day, you know, because and then so it gives you that that feeling like, oh my gosh, there's something going on. When in reality, apparently, it's it's a thing. Two every day. Now, if there were like two plane crashes every day, how many people would fly planes? Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's like really That's true. The rails. You can't stay on the rails. It's you know nope. going off the rails on a crazy train. Uh, Sherry Neal. Hey, Sherry. Glucose sugar balance should be available again tomorrow or the next day I choose to be healthy. I'm sorry. I didn't know they were out of stock. Glucose sugar balance because I ordered a, a bunch in advance. So we're still going through ours, but I'm glad we're we're not out of it. That's an I also day. saw something yesterday. Somebody made a comment that uh, Silverite's been out of pillows for a while, too. Really? Are they out of stock? I have to call Lisa and see what's up with that. And speaking of Lisa. Yeah. Uh, she's going to be with you. Yeah. At the upcoming uh, Cardio Miracle webinar. Oh, awesome. Which, which, but, however, it has, it looks like they're wanting to change the date on it. Is it a date I'm still available? I don't know. I hadn't had a chance to talk to you about it yet. They're talking about wanting to do it on the 30th, I believe. Of this month? Of this month. No way. I'm going to be with Jonathan E. Mord at the three Virginia events. Okay. So I will let Elizabeth know then. Yeah. That the 30th won't work. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. But you will be, it will be you and, uh, and Lisa. So we'll find out. Okay. All right. So, all right. Okay. Anybody else? This is it. Once. Only once going twice is going to sell. Hey, there's Marge. Hey, Marge. 
they are all owned by those guys that ran the train at Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Petticoat Junction. That was actually the name of the show, wasn't it? Petticoat Junction or not? Or is that the song about the show? Just going back in my my uh, memory banks on that one. Uh, well, yeah, that was a while ago. So uh, Petticoat Junction mm -hmm. was a uh, sitcom. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it ran from 1963 to 1970. It was called Petticoat Junction. Mm -hmm. I remember that uh, theme song, Petticoat Junction. Do you remember that? It's a spinoff. Mm -hmm. No, Green Acres was a spinoff of Petticoat Junction. And it was the predecessor to that was the Beverly Hillbillies. Really? <laughs> wow. wow. This is going back. That does go way back. I remember watching these shows when I was a kid. And they were black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Joe, Billy Joe, and Betty Joe on Petticoat Junction. Wow. Nice. Well, I'm going to go for the uh, uh, challenge of the week again tomorrow because I'm uh, Kiki's got me by two reps. She did 52. I did 50. Mm. So I'm thinking, hmm, that was close. I'm usually, you know, I'm, I'm wiped out by Friday. Not really, but enough that I don't want to do it again. But I'm thinking it's close. I'm going to give it a go. So we'll see. Maybe Monday I'll remember to tell you if I, well, if I am able to get up and walk again after that. All right. uh, anyway, y'all keep your fit on, if whatever that means, and uh, create a great... Get your fit on. Is that... What did I say? Keep your fit on. Keep your fit on. Get it first, then keep it. Yeah. Keep keep at it. Keep it. Keep it going. And then uh, I don't know what you're going to drink that's green tomorrow, Super Don. Well, you know, uh, St. Patrick's Day is a big deal in this house. Um, I thought it's Italian, not Irish. Riley's birthday is tomorrow as well, but she's not here. She is at Disneyland. Oh. Um, my daughter and her fiance and Riley and Autumn uh, went down to Southern California and are at Disneyland. And so when they get back next week, we are going to celebrate a belated St. Patrick's Day. We do that every year. We do St. Patrick's Day. It's like a holiday here in this okay. house. Riley, it sounds like an Irish name, doesn't it? Riley does, well, I suppose, yeah, could be Irish. Yeah. So well, corned beef and cabbage and the whole deal um, will be happening next week for us. Do they still have a budget in Chicago to dump green food dye in the uh, harbor there? I don't know whether River? they still do that. I mean, there's plenty of green beer. Yeah, maybe they is, maybe they squeeze that former mayor. It's, her blood's probably green. Green? <laughs> weird. Alien. She's alien. Anyway, thank yeah. you all for being here. Wonderful. Create a wonderful weekend. Super D, have a wonderful trip seeing your son. Thank you. And I thank you all for indulging us in a day off. And if you want to join, Super Don picks out some really good encores. And a lot of times you're like, oh, I didn't see that one. So uh, please join us uh, anyway, if you can, and share the show as you're doing. And I appreciate that. Once again, thanks to Dr. Soloway today. Thanks to Jonathan Emord. Check out emord4va.com. And uh, with that, back live on Monday. I don't even know what Monday will be. The date? going to get busy. The date on about. Monday is the 20th. Oh, already the 20th. Wow. Times are moving. All I right, y'all. Thanks so much. Take care. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, rock that health world wherever you are for the better. See you later. <laughs>